welcome to episode two of the Triple Takeover Toycast, a new regular podcast about Transformers and occasionally other vintage and related toy lines from the 80s and 90s. Your hosts are Transformers toy writers and photographers, Liam from Toybox Soapbox. Hello. And Maz from Transformers Square One. Hey. <laughs> and my name is Sixo, but more on that later, hey? Anyway, we're here for episode two, and the topic for today is Holy Grails, that being toys that we're eager to make part of our collection for whatever reason, and perhaps a bit beyond that, just what specifically makes a Holy Grail to begin with. Anyway, before we get to all of that, how are you both doing? Really good, thank you. It's great to see you both. And you, and you indeed. Maz, how are you? I'm doing great, cheers. How are you doing, Sixo? Not too bad, thanks. Yeah, I've been, uh, you know, tidying up a bit, the old uh, display and stuff recently, and uh, trying to think about my holy grails and uh, what they are. So that's been quite fun, actually. It was a great choice of topic. Yeah, it really was. A bit inspired. A couple of, well, obviously, we put it out, didn't we, on Twitter to say, uh, you know, what are people's holy grails and all of that. But uh, I think before that, actually, we tweeted to say, what should episode two be, be about? And I was really interested to see so many replies and so many, well, firstly, so much enthusiasm for episode one. That's been great. Uh, but secondly, really, you know, see a lot of people quite excited for what we're going to do next as well. So uh, I guess. Yeah, I have to big shout out to everyone who's been kind enough to give feedback. And, you know, it's been really, really positive comments. And uh, I mean, we it, for us, you know, like some people have noticed, it was just like we were you know down the pub having a chat. And yeah. while that was what made it easy for us to just chat at the same time you always do wonder is anyone really interested in what people are talking about at the pub so it's been really nice to hear yeah. people have actually responded to that and yeah I've, I've found it really heartwarming i have to say it's been great to kind of just read that so many people have just enjoyed listening to the three of us just sitting down and just chatting rubbish do you know what i mean about toys from 30 40 years ago it's just brilliant but it's obviously you know struck a bit of a chord with a few people so uh, and yeah as i say some great suggestions as well i think about some of the topics coming up and uh, obviously yeah we chose holy grails for that one so that's um that's been kind of kind of fun i can't wait to to hear what you all have to say i realized this week actually that oh, I, when looking up what to say for this one because I, I wanted to make sure i'd had a good think about this and i didn't just want to give the answers on the fly i realized that i had actually written something about this in the past and, oh yeah, uh, well, for, for an article. Yeah, and more than once. And then I was looking through the, for example, the TF Source articles where they were, and I realized that one of the other writers, Matt, had also written about this. So it's obviously, it's a topic that comes really naturally to collectors. I mean, as collectors, you've always got goals. So it's, uh, yeah. I think it's something that everyone thinks about at some point, and this is probably a really common conversation between toy collectors. Well, I, th I guess it's a good place to start off, because one thing that I was thinking about, first of all, before we get to like what are individual grails are or you know all of that kind of stuff is well what makes a grail to begin with because i guess in most people's minds that they probably have in mind you know something that's unobtainable in some way even though some of them now actually probably are obtainable or like there may be grails that actually you you know you previously had that you know now actually you, you have in your collections or whatever else but I, I don't think it has to be just uh, one set of criteria and I guess you know again reading some of the the kind of responses on Twitter what struck me is the different criteria that people kind of have you know to judge what is a grail for them personally uh, you know and I'm, I'm not going to kind of just kind of give it all away now because obviously that's the discussion but I, for me it was really interesting because I suppose I, initially going into it I had in mind that people might be quite set of like what a holy grail was to them you know just like the most expensive most unobtainable item the rarest thing or whatever but it, it really seems like it's not that actually in a lot of cases 
No, it seems to be quite circumstantial as well. For example, you know, there are things that are unobtainable because they're just not there. They've not been seen yeah. or found or there's just not enough of them. Uh, there's unobtainable because maybe you just weren't quick enough off the mark or because of finances, because of location. Uh, speaking from personal experience, <laughs> I'm yeah. trying to get things to this island. But uh, yeah, it's a, it's a very, very wide topic. And um, I remember actually Matt, who wrote one article about this, did have a very good point that the grail to one person is, is something that another collector wouldn't you know, look at twice. So it's, uh, well, it's yeah, uh, I think that's personal. That's it. It's really personal. And I, I guess that for me is what's so interesting about it, because, you know, sometimes we forget, don't we, that everybody has their own experience of this hobby. And actually what is meaningful or, or kind of, you know, significant to one person is going to be entirely insignificant to someone else, you know, and I, I think that's why this topic in particular kind of really resonates for me a little bit, just because of how personal it is. Uh, and I think there is really something quite interesting about sharing your own very individual uh, you know, kind of what you see as like really kind of the, the bar to be achieved, if that makes sense. It really kind of says a lot about you as a collector and kind of where, where you aspire to be. Because it's not just what you pick up every day. It's not just like, you know, oh, yeah, no, I picked this up from, you know, from the local Smiths or whatever. It, it's it's something that actually you've really got to kind of strive to achieve. It's not just it's not just there for the taking, is it? So it's kind of where, where do you see your collection going or whatever? Does that sort of make sense? does, but I can definitely think of a few examples when just finding something at the store it was supposed to be at was a remarkable achievement. And it just felt like that was a piece of the puzzle. And, you know, I'm not talking about a particularly rare toy. I, I think I could have just popped online and, and put in an order. But mm. I'd said to myself, this is something I'm going to find in the shop. This is something yeah. I'm There is something about. special about seeing it on the shelf, isn't there? Oh, definitely. Did you have something in mind with that one? Well, you know what? If I say bisque again, I'm just going to get it from you. <laughs> the lobster. <laughs> yeah, that was one of them. You know, I, th I think you were right last week when you said you were being sponsored by bisque. That's the only yeah. reason you could podcast mascot. Well, this podcast is Iceland. Mascot. One of Iceland's, you know, most popular dishes, and you know, exports lobster, langoustine. So you know, I'm in the right place. But yeah, it was actually um, virtually anything that ends up in the main line that you know, you believe that should be available in, in Smith's or, or Toys R Us mm -hmm. at the time, or even Sainsbury's. I mean, how many times do we pop on to maybe a, a UK-based TFW thread and people are saying that they're finding uh, the toys that have just been released in Sainsbury's? And I will just yeah. immediately mark on my list, right, I'm going to this one, this one, this one, and that one, and I am going to find this figure. And then when you do finally come across it at this branch, which maybe is completely out of your way, it feels like a major achievement. I wouldn't say a grail, but uh, I can understand no, why some people... Yeah, you know, the throw of the toys, Yeah, exactly. Retail toys can can qualify under circumstances. I've got to be honest, because I've never really had that to some degree. I mean, obviously, I, I know what it feels like to buy toys from shops, of course, but because of the nature of a lot of the stuff that I collect, you know, I mean, you know, it, it's all online, really. Do you know what I mean? So I've never had that kind of like scouring the toy aisles, like, you know, elbowing some small child out of the way because you want to get like the last whatever, do you know what I mean? As, on the shelf. as, if, as if any small child comes up to your elbow. <laughs> well, really that's what I'm saying. I, I've never that's done it. But I, I can think of some, some much smaller collectors than me. Do you know what I mean? That, that <laughs> maybe them in the head of, as well? Do you yeah, get them to be the elbowing for you? Right, exactly. You know, you got to you got to you got to have a team around you, don't you? So, you send kit out. Uh, front. Actually, I think the last the last transformer I bought in a shop, 
other than ones for my boy, other than for him. I think the last one I bought for me was that uh, Primus, Generation 2 Last Night mm. Primus, you know, the blue and orange one, uh, which I got from a Toys R Us uh, near to me. And I remember the the young lady on the checkout just kind of giving me this kind of look. And maybe it's just my own paranoia or whatever, but, you know, sometimes it's it's all fine. And then other times you get that look that's just like, why are you buying this? Do you know what I mean? And I definitely got that sense of that, like... Really? Do you know what I mean? <laughs> but I, don't know, I that's... love that that's started to go away now. I love that it's I like it has more and more. waltz into a toy shop and buy a toy for me. And um, it, it's just accepted now. It's just okay for... It used know. to be worse. It used to be way worse. Oh, yeah, I remember I remember buying uh, Beast Wars toys back when they were first out. And, and obviously I was you know a lot younger. But still, I actually got a comment once from a guy in one shop who was just like, dude, what? You know, I can't remember his exact words, but he he, he basically, you know took the mickey uh and he was the guy working there on the till do you know what i mean and it was a bit like oh, all right you know <laughs> um, was he a bit just like dude it's a man and a pig was, yeah was exactly kind man, of the response man, you got being it's man in pig. yeah for man in pig <laughs> <laughs> gotta love it um vote man in pig but uh no, <laughs> um, yeah, first no, but, there we go there we go <laughs> we'll, we'll get that made up for tfn um, but I do. I think it's a really interesting one because I did notice actually on Twitter that a lot of people were kind of suggesting retail toys as grails, and I think that's fair enough. But also, I think because of the availability of a lot of them now and the exclusive nature of lots of the toys that are out, whether it's you know some of the select stuff or even some of the you know the stuff through Pulse or whatever, it's just uh, I know Liam, you probably know more about that than anybody, but it does seem like a lot of those toys kind of almost achieve grail status as soon as they're announced, no? Yeah, it's because they go out of stock so fast. They're so, I don't know. I don't know if they do them in limited numbers or what, but they, they're just sort of thrown out there and then people rush onto them and they're gone. And they then become so difficult to obtain because the prices just skyrocket afterwards. And it's always really yeah. sort of obscure characters, but it's characters that, uh, you know, like a section of the fandom really want. It, it's mad. It's mad. I, would, I, I really noticed it with the, um, the Autobot Alliance, you know, the Prowl and Ironhide 2-pack. Because I, I got uh, asked by Toy Hacks to do some pictures for them. So I was like, okay, well, I'll, I'll pick it up. And I when I looked on you know eBay or wherever to kind of see, I was absolutely stunned by the prices of that thing and what it's going for. I just think it's just incredible, really. <laughs> do you know what I mean? For a toy that's just been released, the mainline toy, I, I think it's madness. Yeah, it. I was watching the um, the Conehead pack, the Durgeon Ramjet. I was watching the value yeah. triple on eBay as I was watching the Amazon tracking on where mine was. <laughs> Do you so reckon I this guess... is something quite new to to our fandom? Because you know, like the Macross fandom, when new collectors items come out, it's it's almost like being there when concert tickets are released, and you just have to be the one to get that order in before the website crashes. And it's like if you miss that moment that it goes live, that's it. You know, there's no second round. There's no release on another continent that's just it you know it's sold out and that's your chance of getting that item gone. i think it's it's maybe more new in mainline stuff definitely i mean it has happened before in transformers like i always think of you know like the bape uh, yeah, masterpiece bape toys as, as one example of something that is you know that is a grail for a lot of people because when they go live you know you have to be in the shop to buy them initially and then of course they go up online uh you know from people that have been there uh, in the clothing store buying them and and they go up for you know horrendous prices often so it's like scouring through yahoo japan or whatever just trying to find the one listing that like someone's not being a 
you know, a, a total PI staker with it. Do you know what I mean? It's it's, it's uh, a very modern thing, that though, isn't it? Because it happens with like trainers as well, like with Jordan trainers. Yeah. They they sell out instantly, and it, there's that mad scramble for people to get them, and then you can't get them. And yeah. there's as much people buying them for the aftermarket as anything else. It really is, and that I think that's exactly the problem. Is that I mean, it's not just scalpers. It is scalpers, but it's also just regular people. I guess they're scalpers as well. Maybe I don't know, but it depends on your definition of the whole amateur thing, scalpers. I but it, yeah, yeah, amateur scalpers, <laughs> semi-pro. Um, yeah, <laughs> hoping to go professional. But uh, no, I, I think you know it is. It is a lot of that. It's really interesting. But uh, actually, here's one for you. And we're kind of getting a little bit off topic, but I think it is interesting. With um, I heard something recently. Someone was speculating that some third parties, one in particular. Uh, the third party, as a lot of people think of them, fans toys, uh, that actually short stock. Uh, I love that build up you did to just try and conceal the identity and uh, just say it. <laughs> in the end, I was like, I've got nothing to lose here. Do you know what I mean? It's not like they're going to send people around to my house or whatever. Do you know what I mean? It's, I was waiting for him to say Ace Toys. Oh, man, no. Oh. No, not them. Yeah. I'd suddenly reminded of that quote from Red Dwarf. Maybe Ace Hole. Anyway, fans toys. Um, no, I don't know if this is true or not, but I did see some speculation that maybe they were kind of short stocking some listings. You know, that they were kind of purposely sending out very limited numbers purely to kind of create that buzz. That you know, oh my god, you know, it's the latest fans toys. Whatever, it's going to go out of stock. Only to then suddenly release more stock later on at mm. inflated prices and whatever else. I don't know if that's true. So that's like a total caveat on my part. So, um, you know, anybody that's listening to that, please don't go away. Like, that's what fans toys do, because I have no knowledge if they do and, that or not. I just say, it's definitely funny, because, like, you think about sort of when SDC comes around and, like, the scramble, everybody's waiting to pre-order. And it's kind of... Mm. But that's it's not just Transformers. You had that in Star Wars with Marvel Legends, and it just seems to have become a cultural... Thing that we all have like that with playstation and stuff like that now and you cannot get that and everyone's waiting for the exact moment it comes out and rush into the shop and it's just we seem to have that now where everybody they've kind of lost that patience almost but it's because everything goes out of stock well, yeah i guess it's not great really is it because it creates a lot of i mean i see a lot of um i was going to say misery maybe that's a little bit hyperbolic but you know i see a lot of like unhappiness about this like unavailability of of a lot of recent items online and and you know fair enough i can completely understand that uh and i i guess i just don't i don't know how long that can last you know what i mean before people kind of get a bit fed up with it maybe maybe it will last i don't know you can see that in with generations at the minute because they do stuff like yeah. with blue streak and thrust for example where they made them i think in america they're like walgreens exclusives or somewhere like that so when you're in england or britain or wherever you're sort of having to go on online at the exact time like i to get blue streak i was in scotland on holiday and i was having to furiously refresh my phone trying to just get one and it, it was just crashing constantly because everyone's doing the same and it's just this this strange sort that of sounds like a relaxing holiday <laughs> i was looking at a lock at the time so that was that was quite nice my lock nest just refreshing yeah. your phone trying to get the latest earthrise blue streak just going back to the topic of this whole culture of wanting to be there first to get that item on release. I mean, we've, we've been conditioned for that. For, for those of us who have grown up uh, chasing a vintage hobby where this stuff just wasn't in the public eye anymore yeah. uh, in the late 90s, early 2000s maybe, and you've experienced what it's like to try to find toys which have basically disappeared from retail, disappeared into lofts or charity shops, 
and you you realize that that difficulty is something that you could potentially avoid by being there on release it, it's completely different now like it, even the way that the walmart reissues have been yeah. bought up and yeah. and marketed and stocked is different to the way that the first round of hasbro commemor commemorative g1 reissues were you know, I remember walking into Toys R Us and seeing loads of them. And, and at that time, there was no compulsion from me to say, I need to buy all of these now. You know, yeah. and just and I was already a G1 collector. I was already correcting reissues at the time. But now I just know that if, if I had access to, to Walmart, I'd make damn sure there was not a thing I left unbought. I but don't mean well, multiples, like, but just like the things that I wanted. But like that Devastator, that Walmart Devastator was a good example, wasn't it? Because I know, like, I, I got caught out and then was like, oh, that'll be around. You know, that that's something that I'm interested in. I'm still caught There'll out. be plenty of that. And, and I was going to say, you, have you, you've still not found one, have you? No. And I regret oh, it because yeah. I remember seeing one at TFN for 65 quid. And I thought, Same. eh, I'll get it later. And never did. So, exactly that's the thing. The you see, that is exactly the thing that a lot of us did with the first round of reissues. And even eHobby and stuff like that. We were like... It'll be. I'll get it later. I don't want it right now. And I remember with some Magnus? of these. Say again. Yeah, shining uh, Magnus. I, I will not forget how retailers were telling me that they just simply couldn't shift them, and nobody mm -hmm. wanted them at the time. I mean, how things change. Uh, and now uh, I knew that. Okay, I'm going to collect these Walmart reissues. Maybe, for example, there is one or two that I didn't want as much as the others. But I just thought, well, there's probably going to come a time where I'm going to want this, so I'm just going to buy it now. And that's just me admitting that I am affected by this same mentality and culture. Uh, and it's very different to how it was a mere five, ten years ago. Do you think, though, I mean, it's, it's interesting because I agree with what you're saying. At the same time, you do also see people who treat other stuff as maybe something that's going to be valuable but i kind of see it and i'm like I, I don't know what makes you think that that's going to pick up in value do you know what i mean like uh, someone uh, the other day i saw and they just you know honestly were asking me should they open their um what's it called uh, gigawatt uh you know the the, the um collaborative gigawatt uh, should i open it or should i keep it sealed and i was like well ultimately it's your toy you know you do what you want with it but I, I remember thinking, I don't know what kind of makes you think that it's suddenly going to uptick in value. Do you know what I mean? To any great degree anyway. I mean, equally, you could always buy a second one or whatever if you really wanted to. But I mean, ultimately, I might be wrong. Do you know what I mean? It might suddenly go stratospheric for all we know. Uh, you know, but you do see people, you know, sometimes buying everyday sort of like mainline stuff now, keeping it sealed. And, and that's been a trend for years as yeah, well. Yeah, speculation, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And and how do you? I guess how do you know what's going to suddenly become yeah. more desirable than others? You know, it's always the stuff nobody wanted the first time. It's always the stuff at the end of a wave, or you know, the mm. stuff that was always on discount yeah. and everybody left it. And that's always the stuff you then cannot get because the prices skyrocket. But you can see how this stuff can become a grail for somebody if this is the line yeah. that they collect. If this is the kind of toy that they buy, even if it's retail, brand new, available online to everybody, you know, who gets there on time. And then there's that one that you can't get because it's been and gone. I can completely see why that can become a grail, especially if it's the one thing that's missing from a complete collection. Or it's the well, one actually, that you wanted. You know. Yeah, I was going to say, and, and actually that was a note that I made when I was kind of thinking through for today's uh, you know, chat, was, was that actually a lot of it surely is going to come down to you know, your personal 
you know, it's not so much what's the rarest thing, it's for you personally, what are you missing from your collection, right? Like mm. if you've got a lineup, and I think that's where a lot of people are at with, you know, with Wolf of Cybertron or whatever, like that Prowl and Ironhide is a good example because you're, you're not going to go after like Optimus, Trailbreaker, Sunstreaker, all these guys, and then not have Prowl and Ironhide, right? Like they're two very prominent uh, parts of the G1 cast. Uh, so, you know, in that regard, they kind of become more of a priority and whatever else. It's all down to people's individual collections. I know for me, I, I had great fun getting a lot of G1 stuff, you know, one subline at a time, because I found that that was a really kind of, like mentally for me, <laughs> kind of like ticking the boxes. But I found that that was quite a nice way to be like, okay, well, I'm, now I'm going to get all three monster bots. Do you know what I mean? And then it gave me something to kind of look for each time. Um, and then that one, you know, you get two and that third monster bot or whatever, that would become the kind of focus, the grail as it were. Uh, until it's not anymore and you move on to the next thing, you know, you've got it. But uh, but I, I, I can see how that happens. And I think that that probably is a large part of what plays into people's kind of personal grails, if that makes sense. And I was just going to say, I think that's it now, isn't it, with grails? It it shifts. It just it shifts onto whatever the next thing is. Once you've got something, it yeah. then becomes whatever the next thing you want is. Like we were saying earlier about sort of, you know, the picking up of the exclusive generation stuff. It's like you'll see people lusting after, say, the Blue Streak, and then as soon as they've got it, it's like, it's great. It goes to one side and they move straight onto something else. I do this exactly the same. And that the next thing is, is that, a grail. Is, is that a grail then? Is that like, is that truly a holy, you know, a holy grail, Batman? If like, if it's just, if it's something that you're like, or is that just, you know, I want that. And then you get it and then you move on to the next thing. Is, is there a distinction there or is that just, is it all one and the same? There is, but I think it's sort of re- almost replaced it in that sense because we get so much stuff now and we've got such access to stuff. I don't think yeah. the sort of the Holy Grails in the old sense, like when, when, when you're younger, it's different. There's one tour you always want and then 20 years later you get it. That's like the Holy Grail. Yeah, yeah. But then after, once you've sort of achieved that, you then, you move on to sort of what the next thing is and then you become, I don't know, sort of like when they did, when they did Rotorstorm, for example, you're like, wow, there's a new version of this character. I've wanted it for years. And then you get it and then you just sort of move on again. It's kind of, like you say, it's not I really think- a Grail, I suppose. But I think if you also consider at what point someone comes into the collecting hobby, um, you know, with a lot of retail lines, uh, they've got this period of time where they're available. And then there's that period of time where they're just no longer the newest thing. And it's probably the moment that is almost the best time to get them because they're not the hottest thing right now and people are moving on to the next thing. But then there's this patch where they've almost just disappeared from the consciousness. And I'm not talking a matter of months and it could be years. But they've been in stores and then they've been secondhand and then they've just gone. And the people who wanted them have them now and they're in a bit more of a settled space and you don't see them anywhere. If someone comes into the collecting hobby at that point and they've always wanted a particular figure done in a particular way, like someone just realized they wanted maybe a Generations something or a Masterpiece something, but it's out of stores, it's not being reissued, it's in collections, there's already a vibrant collector scene where people are still collecting this hot thing, but that's gone. They could be waiting a a very long time before an opportunity comes up to get that. The Transformers will return after these messages. I've got this mad, mad concept for you right here. Listen, and I'm hoping my maths doesn't go completely wrong here. Back in, um, what, let's say the year 2000, 1999. I I don't think I can remember that far back. If I had wanted uh, a particular... Let's talk about something which is often mentioned as a grail, a Diaclone figure, a pre-transformer of ancient history from decades ago that's super yeah. tough to find, only available in Japan. That toy would have been, what, 
15, 15 years out of market. Yeah. And that that's, felt like an eternity ago. And like, where do I find this toy? Yeah. yeah. And now someone coming into the hobby today, 15 years ago was 2005. Imagine oh. a toy that was at retail in 2005 that is now a, a little bit tricky to find. It, it's almost like that same thing on repeat, but to us, it just doesn't seem at all the same. And of course, the internet has completely changed how people find these toys. It's, it's not at all comparable, but just in terms of yeah. time scale and, and dropping into yeah. a hobby at a particular point in your life. It never hurts to look back at, at how long it's been. Do you know, like, and I, I, I'm struggling to sort of explain that, but I think, yeah, you made the good point where you're like, well, I always kind of think about the end of G1. Do you know what I mean? Whether that was like 1990 or 93 or whatever. And then the fact that actually it was only, he says, seven years until, you know, 2000 and, mm. you know, all of that. And actually, here's one. It was only 10 years between the end of G1 and then the first masterpiece. You know, that's probably the example, 10 years. And actually, the since the first masterpiece, that's been 18 years now. So it's been yeah, it's, much longer. Time so, has lost meaning. Time, exactly, time is, is all over the place in that regard. Because to me, it seems like an eternity between the end of G1 and MP1. That just seems like a, a chasm of time and experience and everything. But if you, you know, if you told me that actually it's almost twice as much time since now and MP1, that's just, it blows my mind a little bit. But I think Masterpiece is probably a good example about what you were saying too, Maz, because I speak to tons of new collectors who have seen pictures of MPs online or whatever, often because they kind of look like what people wanted as a kid. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? They, they're kind of the, yeah. the picture perfect. You know, they, they remind them of the cartoon or whatever. And they come into the hobby like, okay, where can I get these? You know, where can I get MP Soundwave? Where can I get, you know, those toys that have, I mean, what was MP Soundwave? Was that 2013? That was 2000 and, yeah. I want, I want to say yeah. 2013. Yes, I might be... Right. Well, I'm thinking of where I was, uh, where I was living at the time, and, and I got that toy approximately six or seven months after it had come out. Yeah, but um, eight-year-old toy, but still eight years that's gone by since that toy was released, and you know, it's it's just not available anymore. Like, I'm but sure do you remember you when it. it was Grail status because it it, it yeah. fell into that little gap before it had ever been reissued, and remember when it was with MP12 uh, Sideswipe when it had come and gone. And yeah. Masterpiece was really going in this new direction. And people were buying this for like £130, which is sitting there refreshing the TFW sales page until someone had decided that they didn't want it. It's like, just pounce on it. Yeah. And then, of course, the reissues come and suddenly none of these Masterpieces seem quite as ridiculously difficult to get as they did at that just short moment after they had come and gone from online stores. There was definitely a thing that was... I, I guess it just depends about everything that's going on, doesn't it? I mean, coming back to some of the e-hobby stuff like Shining Magnus and, you know, Fireguts Go Jinrai and stuff like that, that I, you and I, Maz, have talked about these a few times. I mean, Shining Magnus was one. I remember when I first picked it up and, you know, I won't say what it was or whatever, but I remember at the time you were like, oh, I'm surprised by... You know, I think I told you how much it was it was going to cost me. And I, mean, I don't like, sugarcoat it. I think I called you an idiot. I think But now that what I paid is, a, is an absolute fraction of what it yeah, now goes for. Right. And I bought is, it a few months after you and paid loads more. <laughs> so. and, and, you know, I don't... I remember saying at the time, like, actually, this is a really good yeah. price. You know what I mean? And, and you, you wouldn't have it because, uh, you know, and I don't say that in a, you know, kind of, you know... <laughs> Look at, no, you're you know, absolutely I, right. I just I hadn't realized how. No, it's, unless you keep unless you're watching that stuff, it, it suddenly creeps up. And I think some of those e hobby 
um, you know, releases are, are a great example of like, you mm. just have to be there at the right time. And and they almost, that's a good example because they almost become grails because yes. you're like, oh, well, I was watching that and I kind of had in the back of my mind that I might get it one day and now suddenly it's unobtainable. Do you know what I mean? Suddenly I wouldn't, I either wouldn't be willing to pay the price that I would have to to own it or it just can't be found anymore because everybody's hoovered it up. I really think the, the thing about grails as well is um, if I'm looking for a toy like Shining Magnus today and someone else is looking for it today as well, that mental aspect of having owned it before stops it ever being a grail for me even though yes. i might struggle and have the same desire to own it as someone else exactly the same way we end up paying the same we look for it for the same amount of time for that person it's a grail because they've never owned it but for me i, I knew i owned it 10 15 years ago and i sold it for a certain amount i i know what it's like to own it but i really really yeah. wanted it again for my collection and i struggled to get it and i paid a lot more than i wanted to and even though it was an achievement and I felt great getting it, it never felt like the achievement of a grail. It almost felt like correcting a mistake. But I, I think not having something before is also a huge aspect to, to seeing something as a grail. Yeah, I would agree with that. It's the, it's the first time experience, isn't it? Of like, of, you know, it's the main it driver, isn't it? That's it. it. You want right. it. You yeah. have to know what you want to experience it. It's the unknown, yeah. But do you, yeah. th do you guys I think, think so. that the change in the, way so in the way the market is now more accessible? Because sort of... Do you think that's changed the way we look at grails and things like that? Because before the 2000s, you didn't have eBay and stuff like that. So when you were looking for something, it was almost unobtainable. You just had to find it or know people. Or it was a much harder process and longer. Whereas now, sort of since, I don't know, so the early 2000s, you can, if you have the money, you can just go on eBay and stuff is that you think. Yeah. If you have the money, it's there. It's, I, I don't know if that I, changes things. It does change things. I, I would add to that, though, and say that it's not just eBay and it's not just the fact that you can, you know, if you've got the money or whatever, you can just go and buy stuff. I think it's also the amount of information that's out there now as well, because there are toys that actually, uh, you know, I was going to talk a bit about this. This was going to be one of my things and say about actually one of my grails was uh, Beast Wars second Galvatron which I'd always wanted. And I say that because I remember seeing it for the first time when I was a teenager, uh, logging on to the internet as we did in those days, you know, pre-phones and all of that malarkey. I think I was at school actually. And, uh, you know, you got like, what, 20 minutes of computer time or whatever at lunch at lunchtime, you know, where you had to do the whole like, e -oh, e -oh, and get on the internet and all of that. And um, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. There were always the guys in the computer room, like four guys that were always in one chat room together. Do you know what I mean? And it was yeah. like, guys, just go outside. The one who always had the know, giant just like your... <laughs> Yeah, definitely. Trackball, man, that that really is a, a it's thing. Like they've seen the it on Tomorrow's World or Bad Influence, and it was like, this is the future. <laughs> yeah. We're all going to have yeah. Tomorrow's World and Bad <laughs> Influence. Okay, hang on. I just need to really get my bearings here. That's a bit too much of a blast from the past. Next, we'll yeah. be talking about. Do, space do you know what? I, I have to mention this. I, no, no, I have to mention this. You mentioned bad influence. A colleague of mine just recently posted a tweet, and um, he got a reply from Violet Berlin. And really, uh, I just messaged him immediately, and I was like, "You just got a reply from Violet Berlin," and it was such a big deal to him as well. And, and I think um, if, if ever we're in danger of alienating a segment of our listeners, that that was it. <laughs> yeah, they're all logging off now. They're just yeah. like. They're... They're all Googling Andy Crane. That's what they'll all be doing next. 
Um, but yeah, no, Beast Wars Second Galvatron for me, I remember, and this sounds mad now because everything is so prolific all over the internet now, you know, prototypes, everything. But I, uh, at the time, you know, obviously Japanese Transformers, a lot of that was just a relative unknown to me. Do you know what I mean? Mm. I mean you know, complete mystery. And um, I can't even remember where it was or what website, but I remember seeing prototype, grey resin prototype pictures of Beast Wars Second Galvatron, and it blew my mind i just was in complete awe of this dragon mode everything it just seems so desirable everything and i didn't own that toy until literally a couple of months ago do you know what i mean but that for me was almost this mystery around it you know because there were only two pictures of the thing uh you know in in one in each of its main modes uh and this gray resin prototype and it wasn't like there was this abundance of information or whatever at the time uh you know it was just a couple of sites really and um but now it's it's so different because now you know you see a new toy uh and you know immediately it's everywhere everybody's retweeting it posting it you know within a day you'll get more pictures of it and they'll do a you know a video on it as well and you know, then Prime versus Prime will get it in hand and that'll be it. Do you know what I mean? And it, it's, it's just kind of a different experience now. So I think, um, yeah, I do think that it is uh, something about eBay and what have you, but I just think that the, the internet generally has changed the kind of experience, if you like, and the kind of hunger for information. Does that sort of resonate? Or Yeah, I think also it's really helped, um, I think, people probably categorize something as a grail if you were going to do it in a completely cold feelingless without feeling just say well that is a figure that i have now researched and realized is of a particular type of rarity and is special yeah. because of all of this information that exists on the internet that somebody has provided because now everyone knows about it so that is an acceptable item for me to categorize as a grail it's going to be hard for me to get never had it it's going to cost a lot lots of people want it it is um clearly documented as being low numbers or, or difficult to find that's a grail. So I think in, in a way, it's probably helped people categorize their grails. I was listening to a guy talking about, um, on, it's about wrestling, but he was talking about wrestling belt collectors, you know, like the title belts and stuff mm-hmm. and sort of the high values they go for. But he said, it's there's only really five people in the world that collect them because of the price. So he says, when mm. one comes up for sale, it's it's not like, everyone piles on it's like if other people have got them they all just sort of stand back so the value goes up i was just going to say there was something that actually we were talking about briefly the other day uh you know which was i thought was really interesting maz about your kind of um you know your work if you like what you've done in in the past which is you know obviously write about a lot of pre-transformers toys and things like that but the, the kind of dichotomy i suppose of writing about this stuff because you're interested in it but then also raising awareness of those toys at the same mm-hmm. time so that actually they become more desirable for you know a wider audience, which in a way also, and, and in your case, has led to you to people approaching you with some of these toys to say, hey, you know, actually I've got these, do you want them? Um, but then, you know, the, the kind of flip side being that other people are looking for them as well. And I guess that is, I, I don't know, I, I don't really uh, know what the conclusion is to that, but it's I, interesting. I think- it's, uh, it reminds me of when I first got online and I saw uh, websites that were cataloging toys I'd never heard of. And these websites became almost like uh, 
these were beacons in the community where everyone knew these websites because they contained toys that no one had ever seen, but suddenly everybody wanted. Of mm. course, these chaps were clever enough to make the websites once they'd completed their collections, so they no longer had any competition. Well, that's it, yeah. At what point do you hold back and just be like, you no, know... You, you never should. I, I really don't think you ever should. I have... Sure, I have regrets about stuff that I've sold and then tried to buy in the, in the future. And then because, you know, uh, this has been brought to the public awareness and people are aware of these toys now, they've become more desirable. People, you know, people relate to the enthusiasm that you put into what you say about great stuff. And they're like, well, that guy clearly thinks that that's great. Well, I think it's great, too. And now I want yeah. it. And then that's they good. go and find them and desire grows. And I stepped back into the hobby years later and tried to find the things that I had in the past and was utterly outraged of how much they were going for and then was promptly blamed by people for the prices that they had to pay. So that's a thing. But it's, there are so chicken, many things that have come out of sharing. You learn stuff yourself. And there are so many items in the fandom now uh, that simply would never have surfaced if it wasn't for websites talking about them. So someone finds something in their loft and, the, and now because we have Google, someone will go and type, you know, what's this toy? Oh, yeah. there's a website about it. Let me talk to that guy. Hey, look, I've got this thing. And when that mentality wasn't particularly widespread, what was going to happen to that toy that was found in the loft? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Plus, was was I the mean, packaging going to survive? No, no chance. I mean, to be realistic about it as well, it's kind of our topic, but this, this is not fun as an insular hobby, though, is it? So, you know, if you're, if you're just Spot doing on. it... If you're, if you're just doing it just to have you know the most exclusive room full of plastic that anybody in the world has then that's that's not a joyful way to approach i don't think anyway that's not what gives me personally joy it's the sharing and the talking and all of that kind of stuff you know the the community that the you know yes all right the toys themselves but but beyond that you know the kind of connections that you make and and the friends and everything and the, all of that kind of package with it is what makes it fun so uh, you know, I could see in your case how actually, I don't know, I can imagine that you wouldn't trade one for the other. No, I um, I found out very quickly that just amassing plastic on shelves was not enough to sustain my interest in this hobby. It had to yeah. be something creative, something meaningful, and um, probably an element of attention-seeking too, if I'm completely honest. But uh, But there are people who do collect completely privately, no interaction with anyone online. They don't buy things online. They only go to conventions and they buy things at conventions and they keep their collections totally private and they enjoy them privately. So there are people who can do that. And that's Which I guess, yeah. I guess is why there's so many, you know, things still out there, particularly G1. Right. So I, I just never, you know, we don't even know if they exist or not or, or how many right. or... And they're still know. turning up. You know, every yeah. single year I've been in this hobby, something has turned up where everyone has gone, what? You know, that... Yeah. That's a thing, you know. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Every, yeah. Without fit, I, I dread the day when then that no longer happens. It'll be it'll be a sad day for sure. Mm. I, my, I guess I was gonna say as well that I hope that continues to happen into the future because, you know, the other thing about the internet is that now with everything being revealed in the way it is, you know, in such glossy high definition, you know, multiple pictures of every new toy. But whose fault is that then? <laughs> I wasn't talking about my photography. I was talking about. <laughs> talking about the, the promo pics that they put out and all of that. Do you know well, I, mean? I don't know why Liam's laughing. He's responsible too. No, it's all 6 -0. All 6 are this. It's all 6 -0. Look at that. Gosh. Uh, we're we're the same. We're the same. We're all the same. Um, it's that, you know, metallic filter. 
but uh, <laughs> that's a, that's another podcast. That's, that's another three. episode. That's, yeah, just... I do love the way Matt says that. Like he's not going around sharing group shots of all these immaculate looking toys every couple of days. Oh, right. Like he's not been doing this for it's years. Have, have you not realised that these are recycled pictures that I've been posting for the last two years? It's the same photographs. <laughs> they probably yeah. don't even look like that anymore. I feel like it's some sort of subliminal messaging. Like buy these toys. Buy these toys. <laughs> buy these toys. He's going to start posting pictures of Bisque soon. <laughs> I'm surprised you don't do it more often. You talk about him enough. Uh, but I was going to say that, you know, now with, with new reveals and stuff, the the thing is, of course, you know, so any pick any new toy that's now revealed, um, you know, and they're instantly everywhere. So the, the mystery and all of that, there isn't that same kind of mm. intrigue in a funny way. Do you know what I mean? There's not that same kind of, oh, I've got to, you know, research this and find out about it or whatever. So I, but I also think that it means that things won't slip through the cracks in the same way. You know, you won't get the fourth Decepticon target master or that kind of stuff. Or maybe you will, because they do still sometimes, you know, prototypes and things. But even then, that stuff is often shared now, isn't it? Like, oh, well, we we're going to do this, you know, like Armada Prime, the, the you know, the Generations one. The, the cursed toy. There's a toy we need. <laughs> I mean, that that's probably a grail for a lot of people. And I guess actually... We've we've kind of in my head this discussion was a lot more kind of like a straight line and we've kind of done it like around the houses. But I was going to say that actually for a lot of people and it seemed on Twitter as well that unreleased toys were a grail for many people. Yeah, whether that's that a whole was something category of grail, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, whether it was a prototype that had never been released and and that they considered a grail. I mean, I would say pink hot rod in that in that category. Do you know what I mean? Things like that that we talked about last time. Or, you know, simply stuff that has never been made. I mean, the one that in Masterpiece Circles everyone always says is, you know, MP Jazz, which has never been a mm -hmm. thing. No indication that it ever will be a thing. There are third-party options, but a lot of people still pine after an official Masterpiece Jazz. So, you know, a lot of people, and it's not, that's just one example, of course, but a lot of people seem to be saying, actually, my grail would be this character done in this way that just doesn't exist. Uh, and I think that's really interesting. That definition of a grail, for example, that could change overnight. That could be announced tomorrow as a completely mainline toy that floods shelves, warms pegs, but those people who wanted it have it. And there's a particular type of satisfaction and, and happiness and fulfillment that comes with that. And then there's the thing that you know exists that you simply cannot get. And then one day it happens and it comes with a completely different taste of satisfaction a completely different feeling it's a totally different goal totally different grail they're both grails you just they just feel completely different yeah there is a lot to say about the um you know the character choice now like like you were just saying because you have that with characters like thunderclash where people are like they really want a thunderclash and it's a grail sort of toy yeah. just but he's he's literally only had the one vintage toy but people are less bothered about that because they want this, the idw one mm -hmm. yeah yeah, that's that's true, actually. Yes, and that actually people would really like to see that happen. I guess especially with stuff like Rotorstorm happening or what have you, maybe there's some interest there as well. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, it, it's interesting, isn't it? Just people pining after. Uh, I see that comment that uh, I know both of you get as well when you post pictures of old toys, uh, like, you know, let's say a Turbo Master or whatever, and mm -hmm. people often, the comment you always get is, gone. do you know what I'm going to say? Where's Dirge? Well, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Turbo Master. More than even. Yeah. Um, but no, I was going to say we need a new toy of this. Yeah. Uh, which oh, is the, of course, which is the, yes, absolutely. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. the common, the common comment, isn't it? We need a new toy of this guy. Yeah. Uh, you know, you, you post <laughs> and a, a dinosaur like me. No, no, you need this one. 
<laughs> what's wrong with what's wrong with the original? Thank you. <laughs> As it's uh, crumbling in my hands. You know? <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, yeah, kind of back on top of there. I guess it's interesting because we've kind of talked around a few different uh, parameters of what make Grails, uh, and they kind of covered off some of the points that I had thought we might touch on which is, you know, things like availability and, you know, the way it comes and goes. Um, I did think condition as well, do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So, like, for me, sure. particularly, yeah. particularly with vintage collecting, whether it's G1 or whatever, just finding, like, there are lots of toys that are not hard to find, but finding them in a specific condition, a good condition, is difficult. And that actually makes them achieve grail status, even though, you know, you could go out and get, them for 10 a penny tomorrow actually just getting the one the one i was thinking of is like battle trap for example like a g1 battle trap <laughs> is mez is like nodding like oh. Oh. Uh, it's got to the point where i actually think that it was never great it was just that kind of beigey yeah, out of the box yeah all yellow but it's that i guess was the one i thought of and you know or, or like jetfire is maybe another one for mm -hmm. a lot of people that actually Jet, Jetfire is actually a good one because a lot of people think of Jetfire as a rare toy because of the status oh, of it or whatever. It's plentiful, it's, yeah. It's really plentiful. You could get it easily. Do you know what I mean? It's not rare at all. It's just rare to find it in pristine condition. Mm. That's all it is. Uh, or maybe not even rare. It's just expensive. But, uh, you know. I think so that I, falls under the, the category of Holy Grail's where okay you're talking about condition versus a figure but it's just um it's under the category of of difficult yeah so, so that's definitely. what makes it a grail because it's difficult to, it's to difficult achieve this to, thing yeah. yeah exactly it's it's got there's a challenge there to it definitely uh you know i can think of a few things in my collection which again you know you you could get quite easily if you're not fussed about nice looking stickers or you know you don't care about the quality of the chrome or you know you don't mind a bit of disc discoloration is often the one right like mm -hmm. on those old Particularly, and that for me, discoloration is something above a lot of other things that I just do not want. Like I, I, mm. I can't accept a bit of yellowing. It's just it's a personal parameter. So that makes it very difficult sometimes to find that stuff because uh, it's just you know all too commonly yellowed. And it's now no longer just G one that is afflicted by that. I mean, I think we were talking about robots in disguise, Prowl, uh, car robots, Mark Alert. You know, that's a, that's a toy yeah. that is quite Mac often. Magnus, Magnus. Magnus, yeah. yeah, that's a difficult one to find. You know, but the, there is the reissue now, but the reissue wasn't perfect either. So there's, mm -hmm. uh, you know, that actually, uh, and again, I think someone on Twitter said recently, you know, how difficult is it to find R.I.D. Magnus? And I was like, well, really not. Like, they're, go on eBay, there's like dozens of them, mm -hmm. but the trick is finding one where the tires haven't rotted away or, you know, whatever. That's that's the, the problem. And even if you get a sealed one, it could be rubbish. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? It could be just awful. So it's that, that to me is is be, I kind of like that in a way, but I also hate it. So it's, oh yeah, it's, it's not a fun thing. I mean, uh, me trying to get a, a reissue, up, you know, Ultra Magnus G one from the year yeah. two thousand one to the, it has been amazing because you know I I rem do you remember I I wrote to to the online store that had it in stock and I, and I said to them, could you tell me if this toy is discolored? Has it got you know the way they phrase it in Japan is sunburn sometimes? So you know has it discolored is it gone yellow and the answer i got was uh no the toy has no yellowing but it might have some yellowing yeah I remember you. so that's just like that's not a risk i'm taking i've, I've already had to send one back to you because it was you know not yeah. worth it so. schrodinger's Mag magnus that is. exactly <laughs> yeah. Yeah. precisely it is both perfect and not perfect in the in the in the box there 
but yeah, it's it's a it's a good example, and that's mad because that's a reissue as well. That's not even yeah. like the vintage original. That's a two thousand and one reissue of a toy. So that's where we got to now. Is that the nineteen eighty six toy is one thing, and then you think, okay, well, it's been reissued, but the reissue has taken on this status yeah, yeah. as well. I have a, a whiter vintage Magnus than most of the reissue Magnuses. I I have a whiter vintage Macross Strike Valkyrie than than the reissue standing next to it, which is already yellowed from you know, 18 years later. Mad, isn't it? Yeah. It's, yeah, it's bizarre. I think my Masterpiece Star Saber has yellowed. Oh, Weirdly. My Masterpiece Prowl has. Old toy. Yeah. Oh. It's what, yeah. what was that, Liam? My, my Masterpiece Prowl on his hands and... The, no. Yeah, just on his feet. Just a little, um, you know, the little flaps that sort of fold under mm-hmm. on the front of his feet. Yeah. There's, I noticed the other day they were a slightly different white to what they were. So I was looking at pictures that I'd taken in the past and it was a much brighter white. But it's, it's very, oh, no. it's quite noticeable. Uh, yeah, no, so I think I think all of that is is really interesting, and uh, it, it kind of plays into you know the, the kind of topic at hand of what I was thinking about of like that condition and whatever else. The other one, of course, is price, uh, mm. and I was just going to say that you know we've we've kind of touched on it a couple of times, but there are surely items that are grails just purely on account of what it would yeah, yeah. take to to as you know the entry price to that figure is just too much or. You know, whatever. Um, there are also toys that I can think of where actually the price shouldn't be that much, but it often is. Um, and I was going to say one of my current grails, I suppose, because I'm having a hard time finding one, is actually uh, Micron Legend Convoy, the Armada Optimus Prime, but specifically the Japanese version. And it's a toy that is, you know, should not be expensive. It's, you know, I have seen them go for minimal, minimal cash. But you also see them go for ridiculous sums of money. I'm talking like five, six hundred quid, you know, which I would just not. There's no way. There's no way that I would even. Is, think, is that because the generation know. of people who would have grown up with these toys are now at the age where they're, you know, turning into collectors and this is sort of a, yeah. enjoying a second lease of life? Maybe so. Well, I think specifically with that toy, because, uh, you know, the, the more plentiful American version has GPS. So you can get the, right. you can get the American version that will break on you inevitably, or you can get the Japanese version that doesn't have that problem. And, you know, maybe there's going to be a reissue soon or whatever, but but still, the, I guess the point is you do see it going in Japan regularly, semi-regularly, for decent prices. You know, you've just got to be quick and, and get it. Do you know what I mean? That's the thing. And thus far, it's eluded me, I suppose. Uh, I did actually, I missed out on one uh, a week or two ago, but I was, you know, having lunch with my son and just, Obviously, that took priority. Do you know what I mean? You just kind of forget all about it. So, um, oh, I don't know. Had... Liam, Liam was just telling us how he was on holiday, you know, and he was yeah. still, you know, after that toy. So, I think you really need to question your priorities there. Loch Ness yeah. Monster was looking over his shoulder and he missed it. Do you know what I mean? Not a true right. fan, six home. Not a true fan. <laughs> That's, what can I say, mate? What can I say? That's true. Uh, but yeah, I, I thought it was just, you know, price is obviously, I think, for a lot of people, maybe what they kind of associate as something achieving grail status what do we think oh definitely it's that thing where you you accept that you can't have this and you probably won't have it and that desire will just you know endure it's it's aspirational isn't it it's you aspire to have it rather than really desperately want it there's a difference yeah and i wonder how much that ties into the way maybe some people view themselves for example if you say to yourself i am not the kind of person who will pay x amount for a toy and then maybe the day comes where you are the kind of person who will pay X amount for your toy. Maybe because that's just 
you know, you're older and you've decided that it's okay for you to indulge in that way. Maybe your circumstances are better. I know there's things I've bought last year because I turned 40 and, you know, I think that actually qualifies as a midlife crisis. No joking. You just think to yourself, well, I've reached this age. I've probably been a toy collector longer than I haven't been a toy collector. And I'm 40 now. Am I going to be doing this when I'm 60, when I'm 70? You know, so I probably have less time that I'm going to be involved in collecting left than I've already had. I do kind of want to own this thing. And, you know, that can lead you to the next stage. And suddenly it's like you say, it's just a matter of it's an entry criteria. The toy is always there. It's always been there. You just didn't want to pay what it was worth. So uh, yeah. grail status is, you know, it's almost tied up with your own circumstances and how you view yourself and what, you know, your principles about where this hobby sits in your priorities. And, and I can relate to that. I think there's, there's also, for me anyway, ha- has been, uh, particularly with some vintage stuff, an element of like, well, you know, it's, it's maybe looking a little bit pricey now, but it's going to be worse. You know, you yeah. give it another year. Yeah two years, three years, whatever, like, when are you going to jump on board? Ultimately, if you if you want to own it, the longer you wait, the worse it's going to get, because this stuff is all going to creep up in terms of desirability, or certainly most of it is, you know what I mean? And, um, you know, also, sometimes there's the thing of just, you see something at the right moment, you know, like, there's various things you know if you kind of look after look out for one particular item it's suddenly you just see it whether it's on ebay or you know all the various other sources and it's just it's it's kind of it's still expensive but maybe it's not so expensive as what you'd imagined or whatever you know what i mean and that just kind of falls into the category of acceptable all of a sudden so i i think it's really interesting um and it definitely does contribute to the kind of grail status but i think yeah, as you say sometimes there, you know, the acceptable answer is I won't have it. And yep. that's sometimes, that's you know, not sometimes, it's always okay to just say, that's just not oh. something I'm going to have. And I wonder if that then stops being a grail when you suddenly disassociate, disassociate yourself with it completely. And that even remotest element yeah. of possibility becomes, no, I'm definitely not going there. And that's okay. That will no longer be a grail because I'm not actively after I'm it. Out. It's just, yeah. yeah, I'm out. I'll appreciate it from a distance. It's a different thing now. I was going to ask, is that... I had it in, in my head, you know, is that then still a grail? Because one thing that we had kind of talked about as, for the discussion tonight was, you know, grails that we think we'll never achieve. And, and and in a sense, are they still grails? You know, I can name you a handful of figures, you know, that I, I know I cannot imagine me ever wanting to, to, to you know, pay the prices that, that would be involved, you know, because it's just that's just not where I'm at, do you know what I mean? And not something that I, I would even kind of consider. So is that then still a grail for me? Do you know what I mean? Is that, I guess in the sense that if I randomly saw it at, you know, some car boot sale and it was going right, for yeah. a tenner, yeah, yeah, of course, do you know what I mean? But, but that's you but, getting a deal or yeah. maybe something that used to be a grail. I don't know if you can call it a grail if you're not on the path, you know, if you're not yeah. actively you're not, after it. Because that whole grail thing is... Yeah, yeah, there's an emotional connection there, isn't there? There's a deep desire. That's why we call something a grail. It's it's a very big difference between something unobtainable and something that's a grail, but also unobtainable. It's like, I really want it, but I can't get it. Otherwise, oh, I can't get it, so I'll just ignore it. Oh, look, it's at the car boot sale today. I've just achieved yeah. my grail. I, I don't yeah. think that's the same thing I entirely. Agree. There is part of the hunt involved with it all, I think. The, the kind of, you know, the... The, it could be mine, but it's not, you know, and that's, I think you've got to have that kind of relationship with it, definitely. Is all of this you talking yourself out of buying G2 protector bots? Yeah, well, that's, but that's a good <laughs> example, actually. I hadn't got them on my list, but that, 
I guess that you know those those protector bots. I I mean I would love to have those. Do you know what I mean? And the and the stunticons. I just think they are wonderful. And uh, you know I have the the breakdown, the G two breakdown, which of course is the the most accessible of all of those. And um, you know I guess that could have been considered a, a sort of grail of its of its time. You know although I now do have it, but I just I mean what do they go for now? Like fifteen, twenty, twenty five thousand yeah pounds, the you know, dollars. Yeah, yeah, that's true. It was recently, oh, I goodness. can't even remember. Looking back at what they were selling for in, in the late 90s between s- certain collectors, you just look back and think, I wonder if they ever had a clue that, of what how many zeros would be added, yeah. <laughs> you know, a few years down the insane. line. Yeah. It's absolutely insane. And realistically, what are you going to do with that item once it's in your house? Do you know what I mean? Like, what, it, what, what that level of value is just a bit obscene really in a funny I know, way but you know what I, mean? it, I do understand i think I get it, if, but... if it won't affect your lifestyle if you if nothing yeah. is suffering because of it and and this does take a level of dissociation and crazy amounts of privilege and first world problems sort of thinking when you dissociate yourself from the rest of the world and what's going on for someone who can afford it and it doesn't change anything uh there is plenty of enjoyment to be had by owning that and I can understand that because while we're not doing it on a twenty-three and a half thousand dollar scale, to somebody, when we yeah. do it on a one hundred pound scale, yeah. we are we are exactly that person. Well, I was going to say, and it is a question of circumstance, and and it is a question of you know your your resources or whatever. Do you know what I mean? Because yes, there are people to whom you know a what a thirty forty quid toy is astronomically expensive to them. Do you know what I mean? And that mm-hmm. you know. Obviously, it kind of changes over time or whatever else. So yeah, it is all circumstance and whatever else. Um, so maybe you're right. I just uh, yeah, I, the the I mean, I, you know, when I said that some things are unattainable, I wasn't even going near like twenty five grand. You know, <laughs> that wasn't kind yeah, of what of I had in my in my head, of course. But you know, that is just an absolute extreme that is just so so rare, so niche, but does actually pop up. I mean, it's not actually that you yeah. couldn't get hold of them. In the last two years, I've seen. I think a couple of auctions for either the Stunticons or Protector Bots. Do you know what I mean? At every time, so it's not like they're not there. But do they uh, sell, any... or is it because it's the sort of thing where there's there's so such a finite amount of them that they just hold their price, even if nobody buys them, they just maintain their value. Or do they actually sell? Yeah. Good question. Now I don't know. Then, now and then they do. I mean, there, there was, of yeah. course. I think there's not a single collector interview I have conducted where I ask someone what's the most outrageous story you've heard, and they talk about the. The G2 Menasaur that was bought for for five figures, you know, the, the one that didn't yeah. have the the Menasaur head, yeah, and uh, it was pitched as the only one. But it, I'll tell you what's terrifying is how you can work yourself up the ladder from uh, a fifty pound purchase to breaking that barrier of becoming someone who pays three figures for certain toys. Uh, and you know, and there's a different feeling about paying three figures for a vintage toy and then suddenly being someone who pays three figures for a toy that came out yesterday and is yeah. considered mainstream, yeah. and then you know, maybe multiple hundreds, high hundreds for the rarest version of the thing that you need to complete your already kind of expensive set. And then there's that entirely other step where you suddenly realize you're someone who has spent four figures on a toy and you you ask yourself, well, how did I get here? But, you, you know, it's possible for people to just follow that path. It just depends on, you know, what they collect, what it means to them, who they want to be. Well, that's it. I suppose. I suppose you know to get to the point of particularly. I mean, certainly four figures, but certainly five figures. You're you're 
you've got to be pretty invested already, right? Yeah, <laughs> like you're not just going to wake up one morning, you know, having no toy collection and be like, oh, G2 protector pods. You know, it's mm. not, that's not how it happens. It's, and, it and, is, and then there are people Kanye who West do do that. Like that someday. <laughs> Some people will do that. They don't collect Transformers, but there is a desire to own the rarest thing in a yeah. particular toilet. And, but okay, yeah. they're still toy collectors, but you know, there will be people who own the rarest thing possible from that line. And it's almost like a museum you know, it's just the, the kind of things they have. Well, I was just going to say, I know I kind of referred to like the pink hot rod earlier, which of course, I know you've, you've, yeah, you know, we talked about it last time that you've had that in hand as well. But that, you know, to me, certainly I could see being like a grail item. Like, you mm. know, it's just one of those that if that would be a lovely thing to own, do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. To, yeah, to kind sure. of have. That. So, yeah, I think there, there is an element around kind of niche you know unreleased prototype stuff all of that you know that kind of contributed to the, the story in some way uh kind of the, the you know unicron you, for example yeah unicron unicron is its own thing isn't it yeah. and you know even the new one's pretty super expensive you know i don't think i've even paid that in one drop for a vintage figure ever the, the yeah. price of a unicorn and, and it's uh, amazing how close. people's put yeah it's like the perception that I, I i would be a vintage collector who collects rarities from the past and, and weird countries you would probably assume that i regularly pay amounts like that it's simply not true and i've never paid no. that amount for a single it's, it's figure kind of crazy it's yeah and it, i think for a lot of people it's going to be a watershed moment do you know what yeah, i mean yeah. it's going to be like a, like a oh hang on am i you know, is this just like a little dabble for me, or is this like I'm actually in this? You know, as a yeah. as a collector, like I'm I'm willing to to put that down. You know, to, that, that's a heck of a grail, this. though, isn't it? A, a G1 yeah. styled Unicron, to, as close as you can get to scale, and still house it. <laughs> you know, in in a, and transform the thing. I was just going to say, I think it maybe fulfills a lot of the criteria of Grail for a lot of people, though, mm. doesn't it? Even though it's a toy, right, yeah. it's a character that people have wanted to see done for the longest time. And all right, there have been other versions, you know, the Armada one, and then the various retools of that, you know, there's been the third party one done, fine. But actually the scale of this thing, and I would say that the look of the planet mode, especially is such that that is very desirable for a lot of people. You know, it's 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 just the, the, the kind of significance in that character and everything it kind of represents, yeah, you know, the planet. Completely understandable, I think. Hmm. It, it's, 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 it's perfect for that one-off big purchase it's in, something in special isn't it it's got history. that yeah. vibe to it something yeah. special and it's it doesn't need to, to align it doesn't need to complete a, a shelf or all that kind of stuff so. no it, it, it is the shelf you know <laughs> <laughs> it's the whole collection but just on that one super expensive figure imagine somebody who collects car robots or or um robots in disguise from 2001 you, is it fair to say that you could probably complete that entire line on a very sensible budget, but then if that line was the thing that you love the most, eventually you're going to want the black Superfire Convoy. Which is on my list. That's on my list, the black, the the, the lucky draw uh, yeah. Superfire Convoy, which you know maybe a lot of people don't even know about. But there are others. I mean, there are, there are, there are levels... There is a Magnus. There's yeah. the clear ones as well. Mm -hmm. But even the even the Sam's Club ones, you know, yeah. the yellow the yellow uh, universe and the kind of slightly different Magnus, which I, I have, a lot of people would tell you that is a grail for them. Mm -hmm. So there's, there's levels of, yeah. you know, of this stuff, isn't there? Because, I mean, look, I, I can never imagine that I will own the black Superfire Convoy. I, would, I can. It, I can believe that you will because I've yeah, seen people who don't spend that kind of money 
yeah. and have collected this line. But then, because also the thing is, it doesn't just happen to be the Grail one. It's also fantastic looking. It's, it's Whereas with it's Final Tech, you've got the one lucky, not lucky draw, but like a super rare version, BT-17 Black Convoy. And there are so many Final Tech collectors who just are missing that one. And yeah. that would be a grail. But eventually, one day, they might just buy it to complete the collection. And it's the one-off purchase. I think it's interesting what you say about um, RID specifically, or, or car robots, whichever we're going to go with. Because, yes, yeah, so much of it is accessible. And then there's just a couple of bits. There's mm. just a couple of bits on the periphery that are just very, very difficult to find for one reason or another. Do you know what I mean? And it's um, because a lot, a lot of that stuff, you know, you can pick up for... $20 sealed, you know, it's just, it, it's plentiful, you know, you go on eBay, and and the vast majority of RID stuff, you know, you could collect, if, if you had that kind of money, you know, you could collect it all in one one day. Um, but yes, you'd be left with a couple of significant holes, uh, mm-hmm. let's say. So yeah, I think, I think that's a hugely interesting point. Uh, it, it, and it was on my list. I was going to mention a couple of other bits as well, like there's the, the, um, the gold, blue, and red Beast Wars convoy as well. I don't know if you've—I'm uh, sure you've seen those. You know the the Optimus Primal. Uh, neither of you are particular Beast Wars fans, so no, that's you definitely know, a just... blind spot. That's definitely a blind yeah. spot. But but I can respect it. And um... there's, there's a lot of Beast Wars stuff and a lot of that era of stuff that was you know lucky draw or super rare that has never really even been photographed. You know, so there are either there are pictures of it. Or, but they're like very small and blurry, so you can barely make it out. And actually, the three Optimuses, the gold, blue, and red, fall kind of fall into that category. There are, I think, there's one of them. I can't remember which one has been seen online. But then, you know, recently with a couple of like the Generations book and a few other publications, have started to put out some of the like coloring competition repaints that have been done mm. of certain figures. And some of it is just, you know, it's well, mind terrific. Some of it. I, I love that there can still be things yeah. like that. Do you remember yeah. um, when alternators was a thing? Uh, there was a Japanese, I don't remember if it was a TV company or a media company, they did a version of Alternators Prowl in the red box, in the big red Alternators box, uh, and it was the Acura version, it was the Hasbro version of it, and on the side um, it said Satellite Patrol, and it was done as a promotion through a, a, a Japanese, oh that was it, a telecommunications company in Japan, Was you had to sign up with a contract with them, almost like getting like a phone contract in the UK or something like that, and you would get that figure. And I remember the promo figure for that. And that's probably missing from 99.9% of all Alternators collections. I don't think I've ever seen one in hand. I'm not even sure it got made or it got released. But that was such an obscure one. And it was just for that promotion. And of course, there's that incredible pink, blue um, RX-8 Mazda Binaltech that was... um, that the colors were selected by the Japanese actress. And that was auctioned on Yahoo Japan for um i think it was orphans of car accidents and that was oh, really? uh, that, that was bought by collectors yeah wow and that's a one-off i didn't even you know, know that, about that. Yeah. it's it's stunning it, it's amazing that this you got this one bt8 meister jazz in these pink and blue colors that was a super special item and that was advertised as such and it was a public auction and uh, there's just one of them and it exists somewhere and everyone who has a vinyl tech collection can't have it only <laughs> one copy the yeah, one just, copy just in the, the world off, yeah just one off that's, I mean, that really is like grail, <laughs> holy that, grail status, isn't yeah, it? That's, that's like a definitive grail status, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, but, but I just have a feeling it will come up for sale. It will so come wait, up Indiana for Jones sale. Indiana Jones is going to on for that one. Yeah. It'll just be on Yahoo Japan. I know it. That's the kind of thing that will appear on Yahoo Japan for sale one day. 
and I, I guess that's that's so kind of indicative of a lot of this grail stuff isn't it that when it pops up you've just got to be on the internet at the right time don't you it's just so much of it is about the window at the right available. point in your life yeah exactly yeah and just you know if you miss it well that's it do you know what i mean you can you can eat regret <laughs> and that's kind of that's all you get Well, I'm happy to give you a couple of mine. I mean, just because I've kind of mentioned a few of them. And I mean, I've already said, you know, Micron Legend Convoy is one that currently is sort of eluding me. It's not a rare toy. It's, you know, I've already talked about it. It's perfectly achievable. It's just that, you know, I haven't as yet been able to kind of seal the deal. So that's definitely one for me. There's a couple of things that I would say fall into the doable category that I would love to have, but have always kind of, it's never been the right time or whatever. So like, you know, a G1 Grandis for me would be, you know, chef's kiss. I would absolutely love to own that thing. I have, um, you know, I have Sky Gary. I have the reissue of Star Convoy. So I'm all set on that regard. Just uh, the old, the old big boy, Grandus, uh, magnificent, full chap that he is, the, the chunky, you know, chunky old chap. So that would be wonderful. I mean, you see the brave one pop up, uh, you know, semi regularly, and that's always kind of tempted me slightly. But is that duck kind of, yeah, I would always know in my heart of hearts that you know it wasn't 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 the, the you know the one with transformers on the box so mm-hmm. that would definitely be something and it, it's actually it's not a toy that you see pop up all that often but when you do it's it's kind of the double whammy of it's it is expensive and it's often overpriced but it's also hugely yellowed like it's just yeah. you know when they do pop up it's just in horrendous condition and it's not um you know it's not really one that you know, you, you, it's not a toy that you want to be buying to kind of try and fix. Do you know what I mean? You just want it. No. And it's funny it how Japanese Transformers of that particular era, not necessarily earlier years, but of that era of, you know, 89, 90, 91, the white plastic yeah. is nearly yeah. always gone. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, I guess in terms of rarity as well, it's end of the line stuff. Again, it's yeah. what Liam said earlier, isn't it? Because Absolutely. all of that, like, a thing. return a convoy and whatever else, you know, it's, it's when because it was like the last line of, of Transformers, it was kind of at the end of it all, you know, it's, people just weren't paying attention to that stuff. And that's why you see stuff like Guard City and, you know, whatever. I know that's, you know, Operation Combination, but, you know, it's it's um, it's all stuff that actually really, really shouldn't, you know, Guard City shouldn't be as expensive as it is. Do you know what I mean? It has no business uh, being that way, but it's just, it's sort of taken on this kind of legendary status. So. Uh, people have said that about Stepper and Artfire for years. For as long as yeah. I can remember, people have always said these were mass release toys, widely available at the time. They should not be as expensive as they are. It's, it's true. And they're, and they're repaints as well. Do you know what I mean? Let's not forget. I mean, you know, th- these are toys. I mean, if you collect G1, you're going to own a Defensor or a Bruticus, probably. Mm. Do you know what I mean? You're going to own an Inferno, probably. Uh, you know, so the fact that actually these are some of the, <laughs> the rarest examples or the most difficult to find is kind of a bit mad. Well, I told you last time out, just add a Target Master and that's it. <laughs> you got a winner. Um, Sorry, think... Sixer, did you finish yours? Was that uh, one? Pretty much. Pretty much. I was going to say, I was just going to say Raiden was going to be that. Oh, nice. Do you think they're going to reissue well. that? Because they keep marketing something, don't they? Is it like, uh, there's a lot of speculation yeah. about it being a masterpiece, but I think well, I think reissue. I think it's pretty much confirmed that they are going to do a masterpiece. I think that's 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 a thing that's been confirmed for for what you know everybody kind of makes out anyway. But um, I think uh, there is some speculation about a G1 reissue as well, which I'd love. I'd be well up for that. I'd be very be happy if they brilliant. 
really happy if they reissued that. And uh, really I think cool I definitely toy. prefer that over a master. Personally, Absolutely. over a masterpiece would be. I, experience I that think you know. What, why not both? Dot gif. Bring it all on. Train boys, love it. Hmm. Right, go, Liam. Yeah, well, my my current grails are they're kind of mundane because. I kind of at that age now where I've moved past all of the toys that I desperately wanted. You know, I kind of I've kind of got them, sort of like Swoop and stuff like that. And so now it's stuff like, I don't know, like Anime Blue Streak, the e hobby one where he's done like the cartoon. Uh, yeah. Because it's it's just something really beautiful about that toy, and I've always wanted to own. Like the Blue Blue Streak is another holy grail, but that's one I'll never own. But the anime one is quite. I don't know. It's not that difficult to obtain, but it's still in a price bracket that I don't really feel comfortable. Mm-hmm. pain at the moment not because it's not like something like it's well out of my price range it's more just i can't justify it so much because it's not something i want that badly at the same time if that makes sense yeah, yeah i think it... the, the the desirability has to be there to match the price it has to be yep. equal yeah. do you know what i mean otherwise you're if you don't really i i think everybody if they're gonna buy something that is a fairly high ticket item you have to question do i really want this otherwise don't do yeah. it. <laughs> Quite yeah. simply, why? Why? Like when I see your photos of it, it's like, God, I really want that toy, and I really regret not buying it. But at the same time, I look at it and go, I don't really want to pay a hundred pound plus for it at the moment. Mm-hmm. That might change in a couple of years or down the line. But um, yeah, it's just it just doesn't feel in that sort of grail range yet. If that makes sense, it's not like a holy grail. It's just like a toy I really want. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. And and no others majorly at the moment. Oh no. Uh, I quite like Fortress Maximus because you guys always talk about it, and one with a non-apologetic. I, I still round. haven't transformed it. <laughs> I can see it in the corner; it's torn to me. <laughs> it, it's just—it's still in its box. I had to put it back in its box when I moved rooms, and yeah, uh, yeah it's it's still in there. It's a toy I've never experienced ever. Get an evening to yourself, but you know, while, whilst you've still got them, and then yeah. you know, just <laughs> shut yourself in a room with Fort Max. Turn your phone off and just go crazy. Honestly, you'll you'll thank me right. for it later. You, you are almost describing what we're doing right here. Which is like take an <laughs> evening, shut yourself <laughs> in a room, get with talking four to us. <laughs> yeah. You're talking to us, numpties. Honestly, yeah. And um, that, yeah, I, I do have to add Galaxy Shuttle as well. I've always wanted oh, that toy since I discovered its existence. It's that yeah. it's just beautiful, and it's a toy. I don't understand why they don't reissue it. It's that it, it is of... classic G one goodness. I think there's an element of trust with it as well because every time I see them, they're always yellowed. And when I see a white one, yeah. I start to think, has somebody whitened it? It's like I was looking at yeah, Thunder Clash yeah, yeah. today, and it said it was vintage, untouched or whatever, but it's got no stickers on it at all, and it's really bright white. And I just couldn't help but look at it and think, oh, I don't know if they've whitened it in. I just don't have that. Oh, not even factory stickers? No, no, nothing. Everything okay. was stripped. Ooh, that's and that's just, that's but now I have that element of suspicion with stuff like this. Yeah, yeah, it's true. That's a that very tough. serious fact of collecting nowadays. So, yeah, and definitely. for purely nostalgic purposes, I've got to get these two in, is Omega Supreme and Mirage, because I've never owned either. Oh, mm. we must fix. But like with Mirage, Mirage, definitely. Mirage is the last toy, the one that I wanted as a kid that I've never been able to get, because... I think by the time I got into Transformers 85, 86, he wasn't on the shelves. And I've, I've never actually owned one. And he's always, always he, broken. Was he in Goldbox? He wasn't, was he, no. Mirage? No. No. No, no, no. I was trying to think for a minute. It's funny because there was a 90s Mirage in China. So in they started to produce G1 toys in, in Chinese factories, completely licensed. Uh, those are the ones that you see with the really short box copyright on the back. 
you know, just really, really yeah. short text under the tech spec compared to the slightly longer. They typically have like blocked out copyrights. So it just says Hasbro. But yeah, the, so like countries like Portugal would have received G1 boxed mirages in the late 80s, oh. early 90s. In G1 boxes, exactly the same, so, just with a sticker right. on the side saying it was distributed in Portugal. And no, we didn't get it in gold box, even though it was being produced by Hasbro factories at the time. That's, that's, that's insane, isn't it? And with um, Omega with Supreme, I saw, do you remember the Converters? I think it's Converters, the Grandstand sort of yeah, different colour release. Yeah. And I saw Omegatron, one at, yeah. I saw one at a car boot, and because I think it was black, uh, black gold yeah. and red. And I remember like umming and on over it and then running to get the money for it, and I came back and it had gone. That's the closest uh, I've ever actually come to owning one, and that was as a kid. And yeah, I'd be up for that. I, I, if I saw one, you know, going, it, that, that for me would be an in-hand purchase. It's not something I would seek out necessarily, but if I saw it there and then, uh, yeah, you know, it's it, it's a fun thing for sure. So, would so you get? To... Um, oh, I, I was just gonna say, would you would you go Encore Omega or not so much? Yeah, yeah, I'd be very happy to have any Omega. <laughs> it's it's just again, it's another one where I've seen it and I've had the money for it, but it just just not, you know, taking myself to the point to actually buy it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like, cool, it, it's been, it was on my list to get a TFN this year and last year, and we know that, how that's worked out. That's a real thing, actually, you know, having the grail and the stars aligning, you having the money for it, which doesn't <laughs> belong to another priority at that moment in time, and then actually pulling the trigger. Uh, completely different things. You I, get into you a know, zone I, with it, though, don't you? Like, you sort of... You get used to it being just sort of out of reach, and you move on to yes. other toys that feel like more of a priority. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you end up spending as much on them as you could have just yeah. spent on on the one that you wanted. Yeah. So has anyone ever done that thing where, as you sort of said, you know, you have the money, you have the opportunity, the Grail is there, you can order it. You know, you can just go ahead, and something just stops you, and you just yes. kind of go, yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely, no, I won't do that. And then you yeah. leave it, and then it's gone. Yeah, and that's that. Never to be seen at that price again. Yeah, Generation okay. 1 Sandstorm. This actually happened to me as a child, is that um, I really coveted that toy, and for weeks and weeks and weeks, I kept begging my grandma to buy it, and she refused and refused. And then the one week she relented, we went to get it, and I got to the toy shop, and I had this little moment of doubt when I was looking around, like, oh, I've got to make this count. And I bought something else. And I've always regretted it, because I cannot remember what else I got, so it can't have been that interesting. And I've never owned a G1 Sandstorm. But I remember the very wow. instant regret like oh. on the bus back. Dude, that's on that, you, mate. Well, that's just that's just on you. I know. I know. I'm famously <laughs> indecisive, and there we. <laughs> Maz is going to hate this, but put Sandstorm above Mirage, in my opinion. Honestly, like Sandstorm really? is. Oh, it's just a beautiful toy. I think personally, God, it's you a make it hard to like you sometimes. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Six the million. thing is, though, Sandstorm <laughs> is fantastic. One it of the is. best triple changes. Yeah. I mean, three. One of, killer. One of on toys, I yeah, think it really because, is fantastic because the distinction is all three modes are superb. First yeah. of all, so all mm-hmm. three modes are excellent, which doesn't happen with every triple changer. Right, does not. But also, all three modes are entirely distinct from one yeah, another. Yeah, yeah. So there are, it, you know, <laughs> the helicopter comes out of nowhere. Do you know what mm, I mean? So like, right. you can see, okay, man lies down and becomes car. That's sort of the classic, you know, transformation. <laughs> But this then flips round and stuff comes out of nowhere to form helicopter, and it's like, whoa, what happened there? Do you yeah, know? And it, it's in it's not car with rotor blades, Springer. Exactly. It's yeah, Springer is a lame duck by comparison. Let me tell you, like he's, you know, I like Springer a lot. The the G one toy, you know, is is fine. It's a it's a nice toy, but 
Sandstorm blows it out of the water, honestly. I remember seeing Sandstorm. I didn't have it as a kid, but I remember a, a friend from school did. And I remember the experience of being that blown away by it as a kid and then having to own it as an adult and just yeah. not being disappointed. It's, Supremely it's distinct, memorable, excellent G1 Transformer. I don't yeah. think there's a week that's gone by in the last sort of 30 years where adult Liam hasn't wished he could quantum leap back in time and just say to childhood Liam, look, Ziggy says, I've only got a few seconds, but do not buy whatever crap toy you were going to buy. <laughs> buy this. It'll change your life. The rest of your life will be so much better. I go back and think that's the one wrong choice I made that set in motion everything else that's ever happened to me. <laughs> Butterfly effect. <laughs> exactly, yes. But um, can I just chuck in one more really quickly? Yeah, I know I've said a lot, but... Um, so on Twitter, I did say that there was one that no one would ever possibly guess. And it's the Transformers Collectors Club Astro Train. I don't know if you ever saw this. From yep. 2007. It's the, um, you know, the Armada Jetfire repainted. Yes, Astro oh, Train. Yeah, yeah. Huge toy. Yeah. And a, Crazy it's a really decade, cool, yeah. weird looking toy. And I'm like, I love that mold, but it's, I, yeah. just, I would love to get it in those colors. That mold was the first time... You know what I'm going to say? The first I time do. I met you in person <laughs> at TFN, whatever year it was, and uh, it wasn't that long ago, but it, I remember turning up and recognizing you, you from pictures and stuff. And uh, I remember coming over to you in the bar and just being like, oh, Liam, hey, you know, we're all over there and what have you. And uh, I think you'd already had a couple of pints by that point. But, uh, That's and, one way I said, oh, have you already bought something? And you kind of like held up this plastic bag and you were like, yeah, someone just kind of gave this to me, but I don't really know what it is. And it was Armada Jetfire, and um, <laughs> was it was it Optimus in there as well? It was, and, and it you, was. And you were a bit kind of dumbstruck by it all, just like I, I don't know what's going on with this. It was, it was, it was all very funny. I think it was an impulse purchase, you know, right at the end of the dealer room because I was only there for the yeah. day, and I was so drunk, and I was just like, just buy something, and there were just these two giant toys, and I was like. They look like fun. I'm assuming that's what happened anyway. I don't really have much recollection of, of that part. That's the, the TFN experience there. Yeah, you said yeah. it. I just yeah. remember you all had these like really exciting toys like Galaxy Meteor and all this sort of stuff all around the desk. And then there's me with these two Armada toys. I didn't even know what they were. <laughs> I remember that year distinctly. I went home from that TF Nation really bummed that I didn't buy anything that was remotely like what everyone else had found. I had held off so much from buying things. I think I went home with a mini bot or, or just like a reissue something. And uh, I remember that feeling of just, you know, you're at this convention, just it's okay to go a little bit mad and buy stuff that is more expensive than it is online or, you know, just, you know, enjoy the experience, immerse yourself in it and um, join in, basically participate. And I'm not saying everyone who attends these shows needs to splash the cash to be a part of it. But when you know inside that that's kind of part of the enjoyment for you and then you deny yourself at the time, uh, I made that mistake that year and I remember the year after I, I certainly made up for it. Yeah, I do. I, I agree with that. I can identify with that. I do think there is still an element of being careful as well because there is yep. definitely stuff there that is just overpriced. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and that dealer room doesn't, the lighting in there doesn't really properly no. exhibit like, oh, this toy is great. You take it outside. <laughs> it's, it's yellow. <laughs> <laughs> Mask, have you got um, some that you still don't have? Yeah, I, I have to apologise because some of these are extraordinarily niche. You know, because there there is stuff that I consider mundane, but I, I've really struggled to get. Like, a, I've actually had a really hard time trying to find a G1 Springer in great condition. I've really mm. struggled with that one. 
so that I guess I don't know if I would call it a grail because it wasn't on my waking thought. It's not the kind of thing that would ever push something else down my priority list. So you know, I could see a good Springer tomorrow, and then something else I really like, but buy the other thing. I could be Liam as a kid and not buy Sandstorm. <laughs> so, but the things that I would uh, drop everything for. Uh, uh, the number three on my list is um, is a European Diaclone powered convoy, and I, and I that's my my favorite line of toys is is the European release of Diaclone and Microman toys by a company called Seiji Justra. And they were released in mainland Europe and just various spots in Europe. They've even turned up in the United Arab Emirates, which is just completely amazing. But uh, so there, there was the Diaclone colored Ultra Magnus was released. I mean, it was released in Japan. It was released in Italy. And also it was released in beautiful packaging in Europe with totally exclusive comic style artwork. Well, one entire side of this box was this amazing scene of Diaclone Ultra Magnus as a truck you know, driving through the desert, dust being kicked up, and then the robot mode. I mean, I guess you could say it was almost in the style of G2 Transformers Marvel comic, that totally over-the-top, explosive guns, big, massive grimace on this robot's face. Very (laughs) undiaclone. But um, that toy, I mean, I think I've seen seven of them now in that packaging in in the years that have gone past, and and I've missed it every time. Just uh, I've never been the highest bidder. I've been too slow. I decided eventually I lost out on one. I mean, you, you could go five, six years and not see this toy for sale. And then I, it came I up. To, I seem to recall you, you saw one not so long ago, didn't you? I think you were, you were looking yeah, at yeah, one. Yeah, I saw one and um, it was kind of like crazy expensive. I, I don't yeah. even know if it was for sale, but uh, it's the kind of toy that people who can afford it buy multiples to have as trade fodder. So if you lose out to one person, your chances are you'll lose out to them again next time if you're not willing to break that barrier and pay obscene money. But yeah, that uh, Diaclone powered convoy, which is Diaclone Ultra Magnus, in that Justra box is still very much part of my wish list. And I remember actually I had um, secured one and I was gonna I was gonna buy it, agree to price with someone, and this was in the most destroyed box you can imagine. But at the time, that was the best that was available. It was like, yeah. It doesn't matter how bad it is; it's proof that it exists. And with that, in that case, it really is about the box as well, isn't it? Totally. It's it's a, I've owned the toy. I've owned the toy yeah. before, but it is the box. And I would buy the empty box. Yeah. So that's on there. Uh, number two on my list was um, the Diaclone version of Wheeljack, but not the normal uh, green-red colors that we that we come to know, but the, uh, the Marlboro colors. So that was uh, released in 1984. What, what people now think of as exhaust, right? Yeah. Exactly, yeah. And um, that would have been on shelves in Japan right next to Transformers. So you would have Takara Transformers, you'd have Takara Diaclone. And I think when that's the case, so many fewer people are going to be buying Diaclones. And it's just yeah. one of those end-of-line things where it probably didn't sell so well. So they're very hard to come by now. I remember seeing it for the first time with its completely different head sculpt and Really famous red and white Marlboro racing colors, which and I've grown up on Formula One. I, I love those old McLarens with the Marlboro livery. So this was like the, the fusion of two massive hobbies of mine. And that toy has always been like unobtainably expensive. I remember first joining the online fandom in 2002 and learning about Diaclone there. There was one guy who had one and he kept being told by people that that's a fake. You know, it's not a real toy until people realize, no, this is an actual official Takara toy. And he sold it loose. 
on eBay in 2003 or 2002 for $988 back then. Wow. Loose. Wow. Stickers applied. So you can imagine it's not entirely crazy that they now go for $2,500, $4,000 boxed and unused. But there, there were case finds of this toy. It actually got to the point where there was, uh, I can't remember what year it was, maybe 2003. There was a case find in Japan. And the dude who found the case was just putting them out one by one on Yahoo Japan week after week. So the price had come down to $300 for a totally case fresh Marlboro Diclone Wheeljack. And uh, I was second high bidder twice. And both times, like, I just thought, I'll just get the next one. My friends got one that were collecting at the same time. And then there was just no more. And that was it. They were done. And I never got that was the moment that I would have got it. And ever since, I've just always been like two or three financial tiers below what that toy would cost. Yeah. So that, that's one I maybe one day I'll get lucky. But, and I'll find a cheap one. I mean, some dude on eBay a few years ago listed it for $250. He just had it from back in the day. He goes, here's a toy. says Diaclone on it. Looks like a Transformer. $250. And it was just insta-bought by somebody. Yeah, It's remarkable, isn't it, when, when that stuff pops up in the hands of someone that doesn't yeah, even yeah. really particularly appreciate yeah. what they have. They might know that uh, it's kind of rare or whatever, but they don't you know, the significance of it or whatever else. You mean like the uh, the old man and woman who lived um, approximately 10 minutes walk from my flat in London who happened mm. to have a Transformers stepper, G1 stepper, that they bought their son in Japan back in 1987 and it never yeah. been opened. <laughs> you mean like that? Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, yeah. It's, it's so funny when this stuff crops up and, and it's people that just have it from childhood. Yeah, and that, yeah. that's just... an interesting one. Uh, there was a guy, um, I can't remember, there was a guy I was chatting with online recently, I say recently, probably a year or two ago now, but um, it w- he was sharing some pictures of his collection and, you know, Transformers, and I've got some old ones, and he shared a picture. And there was there was all the usual suspects, you know, that you might see in a, a G1 childhood Transformers collection. And then randomly, there's Blue Bacchus, you know, just there. <laughs> just, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that does happen. Mint and, like, looking very nice and whatever else. And I was like, hmm. And I thought, you know, should I say something or not? And I was like, well, yeah, you've got to, don't you? That's the thing. And I said, mm-hmm. you know, you may not be aware, but actually that one toy can go for four figures, do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Quite comfortably. Uh, and and he was, I don't know, almost a bit nonplussed. He was kind of like, oh, well, I'm, I'm not selling it, so that's fine. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? And it was just, you know, I, I think it's interesting when that stuff that, you know, you've never seen it in hand, you've only ever known it as being horrifically expensive online. And then actually you sort of forget that, people grew up with that you know what i mean people had that as their you know it was a child's toy (laughs) exactly because they are the kids toys that's what they are and And it's quite nice to see them used once in a while and not just completely pristine unused in the hands of collectors but that that stepper though it's because it links to a story that liam was telling earlier um so I, i could literally look out of my window and see where those people lived i've been walking past that stepper for nearly 30 years going to school because it was next to my primary and, and secondary school. And it was just there the whole time. And uh, so, I, you know, I saw that it was listed on eBay and uh, I saw where they were located and uh, I got their phone number off eBay because you can do that, you know, it's not entirely creepy. And uh, and I called them up and I said, you know, I'm, I'm actually local and I'm really interested in, in this item. And I go, yeah, oh, you know, that's really, you know, that's great. You know, this is a toy that we bought our son in Japan in the 80s. And it's just been in our loft and we're clearing stuff out. And this is a transformer car robot. And, and we decided to put it on eBay. And I, and I said to the lady, would you be willing to sell that to me directly? You know, and I would uh, I'll just come and pick it up. And, and she said to me, 
Oh, no, Maz. No, I'm as straight as an arrow. <laughs> if I've listed it on eBay, I'm going to let it run. I, I, I wouldn't possibly end it. And I just thought, you couldn't have been the lady with the weird wolf. No, you had to be the one with the stepper. Um, yeah. and, and now, you know, and so I thought, okay, well, I'm going to bid. I, I think it's still extremely well hidden. Um, I'm going to give this a go. And I was on holiday in summer. I think it was in Cape Verde, sitting around the lobby, trying to get Wi-Fi, like, please, Wi-Fi work, when this auction was ending. And uh, yeah, no, I didn't get it. I, just, oh. I was just outbid at the end. But the thing is, it was one of those where, like, I'm bidding more than I would ever have probably yeah. paid for this toy. I've never really coveted a stepper like that. I've had the reissue. But this was just like, I, I need to own it because it's been in my backyard for 30 plus years. And, yeah, that's um, mad. That's well, the Northland. That's that's the Crouchend stepper, and I want it. <laughs> but you know, I can definitely Crouch say your your story is far more tragic than my sandstorm story. <laughs> no, I think the sandstorm story is way worse. I, I, I was actually surprised to hear Liam that there was a Transformers toy that your grandmother didn't buy you. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to well, go there, but I was whenever we hear about her, it's like. Me, 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 Graham bought me that one, and you know whatever. It's uh, it sounds like uh, like quite the gravy train that does. When I was when I was saying it, I was like, oh, is this going to be? You didn't get a scorpion like though, did he? Butler. <laughs> yeah, no scorpion lock and no sandstorm. No. There we go. See, I was I was a poor child. I had nothing. <laughs> Just Sorry, all the other right. ones nobody wanted. I've got my uh, number one left on the list. Go on. Go on. So the number one toy, and um, quite, um, quite a shameful story attached to this one. I, I don't know if I'm quite ready to share all the details, but it's, uh, again, it's a European Diaclone, uh, Seiji Justra version of Sunstreaker. And this is a toy that has only appeared in its packaging once in, in all of my knowledge of, of this hobby and everyone I've ever known, ever met. In the world, this has only popped up for auction once, and that was in December 2016. And uh, I saw this auction... And there was a friend of mine who also collects the same line as me, this Diaclone line. And uh, we both saw it. It was like, what are we going to do about this? You need it. I need it. Probably never going to see it again. And it was totally unused. You know, it's absolutely pristine Sunstreaker. And the box uh, has a red Sunstreaker on the artwork. The toy is yellow. I mean, I, I love those kind of discrepancies. So we both decided to bid for it. And we had this whole on-running conversation about, well, what's your maximum bid? We, we shouldn't bid against each other because we're just going to push the price astronomical. Yeah. Yes, and yeah. um, so we had this agreement about where one of us would go to with the bid. And I actually went as far as speaking to someone who said, look, I know you really want that. So why don't I buy it for you? And the guy actually gave me his eBay login details. He's that good a friend. He's just like, you pay whatever it takes to get this. And then you can take as long as you need to pay me back for it, wow. however long it takes. But I want you to have that. That's amazing. And uh, it, it was amazing and quite terrifying, actually. And uh, so I, I went to bid for it, and I will, will not reveal the bid amount because it is obscene. And I have, you know, I was saying to you that I had never paid 600 quid for anything. This is just on a different scale of expense. And it was purely because he decided he was going to bid, and I decided I was going to bid. And both of us just thought, you know what? It's once in a lifetime, every man for himself. And we, we went for it. And I, I think we must have pushed the price so high that everyone else was out of it and uh he got the bid in at the end and he won for just an obscene amount of money and it was such an obscene amount of money that it turned him off collecting wow. he'd owned uh, it for, for a month or so and he just said to me he said to me do you know what i i've got this toy i've got no no joy because i, I paid so much for it 
and I had to beat you to get it. And I just don't feel any joy attached to this purchase. And it's actually kind of soured him on his whole collecting because he realized that all the remaining pieces that we had were probably going to go this way. And, uh, and the mad thing is there are now people who collect those diaclones that pay more than I ever would have done. You know, so I see this as completely unobtainable now. But I just, I'm looking forward to the day when I find someone who bought that in a secondhand store in West Croydon in London and has just had it. And that kind of stuff does happen. And it just yeah. it happened to me this week with another diaclone. You know, some dude just contacted me on my website, my ancient crumbling website, and said, hey, I've, I'm in my 60s. I've been collecting robot toys for, for decades. Here's one that I see you've talked about and is on your wants list. Do you want it? I just want a fair price before I go to Facebook and eBay. And it was a toy that only one other example exists in the world, and, and I've got it. So now I have both examples of this figure. So it can happen, and I still dream. I, I can't even look at pictures of that Sunstreaker. It hurts too much, and that's a ridiculous thing for a grown man to say. You know, the grown man who has a job and a family, <laughs> and you know, but I can't look at pictures of that toy. Uh, my desire for it is so deep that I just that Justra Diaclone Sunstreaker is so far ahead, number one. <laughs> that is, uh, I had no competition for that spot. Yeah, this um, this whole story really kind of puts everything that you and I were going to say into some perspective there, Liam, doesn't it? I don't yeah. know how you follow up with that now, do you know what I mean? But uh, yeah, that, that really so is many, So many of my Diaclone collection came at great prices. At yeah. loc- I, I collected a bunch of them when no one else cared, so they, there wasn't a lot of competition. Uh, many of them came from sources which were just unbelievable. You know, like you, you couldn't yeah, write yeah. that stuff. Like... Um, uh, Super rare Series 2 Diaclones I have from this line. There was a, a woman in Poland who had bought them for her son on holiday in the 80s. And she still had them lying around and she'd seen them on my website and just said, I'll sell these to you, 50 euros each. Yeah, that's like, incredible. Wow. Yes. You know, so, but sometimes yeah. it is just, it's those, those really weird specific circumstances, isn't it, that just kind mm-hmm. of align. It's what we were saying earlier. And it's just, you know, something that seems like it would never happen. Suddenly it becomes possible and yeah because of the connections you make isn't it like we were talking about earlier with the community and stuff you make these connections you put stuff out there and someone sees it and it's kind of and they think of you yeah and and i know i've i've certainly sold things to people that that really knock down prices way below market value because i just felt that was the person who deserved it I, i don't claim to deserve these things at all i think that's a terrible attitude to have but um I, I just know that these possibilities exist. And one day, it just didn't feel right to win it on eBay. It just didn't seem at all consistent with the rest of my collection to suddenly go and blow an obscene amount of money on something that I would then be paying back for years through selling other things and, and, and whatnot. Uh, it just would never have felt right to have paid that much for it. I'm kind of glad I never won it, but I'm desperately sad that it didn't end up in my collection. But I know one day I'll find one in a charity shop in South London or North London probably crouch end again <laughs> and uh, it'll just be like oh because apparently these toys were sold in stores where you wouldn't get normal transformers they weren't allowed to be stocked in places like toys r us argos hamleys they wouldn't have been in those shops they would have been in uh, like corner shops places where they had really weird thing like a sewing kit maybe some weird art and then a little collection of toys and there was some diaclone in the uk certainly it was like that so I will find them one day. I'm sure a, of it. 
I think that's a good example of like a limit with a grail though, isn't it? It's it's supposed to be fun. Like you you yeah. realise like collecting the stuff you buy. It's a source of joy, yeah. isn't it? It's something you enjoy and love. And sort of when you get into competing with friends, it becomes like a rivalry and you end yeah, up with a little bit of bitterness and stuff over something. Okay. Yeah. And it, it exactly just paints right. it, doesn't it? Like you say, you've spent too much and you sort of mm-hmm. you look at something and it's no longer the source of joy that you wanted it for. Yeah. I, I think the moment you feel that sense of obligation with this yes. hobby, right? Step just away. Complete you know what I mean? Yeah. You know, temporarily exactly. or whatever, but just don't don't go there just for that sense of obligation. Whether it, you know, just for the sake of it, it's not worth it. Um, no, you know, it's exactly right. Big, big or small, you know, yeah. financially. And, and you know, it's there will always be more. It might take another ten years, but yeah, there'll be more. And um, yeah, that, that and. But I mean, especially, you know, I mean, even on the level that you're talking about, Maz, you know, where, where some of this stuff is like, you know, almost unheard of or what have you. But, but the outer limits with, of collecting. Yeah, exactly. But especially with a lot of the other stuff that we're talking about today, you know, where we're talking about, you know, many of the other examples that are not necessarily rare toys. And that is, I think, what you have to keep in mind is like, it's okay. Do you know what I mean? Like, I can be sad that I missed on a Micron Legend convoy, but there's, you know, I, there will be more. There'll probably be another one in the next couple of weeks. Do you know what I mean? That's the thing. It's not, um, you know, you just have to wait sometimes and just be yeah. that little bit patient. That's all it is. Exactly. And you'll probably get it for less than what you missed it for on that occasion. And oh, no. just... and this this one auction, <laughs> the, the final <laughs> price. I st- I am kicking myself a bit because the final price uh, was just peanuts. Do you know what I mean? Really, really peanuts. To the point where I'm like, I don't know if that'll happen again. And now, and now, of course, you kind of get that thing where you kind of resent the idea that you might have to pay more than than the one that what it went for there. Do you know what I mean? So that's yeah. always kind of. But yeah, you know, this is the way it goes sometimes. Isn't that's it? a wind up, isn't it? When you when you miss out on something like something like a Grail, and it's it goes for the amount you still would have paid because you've been bidding mm, on eBay, yeah. and you've missed out on it, even though you would have paid that much. It's the knowledge that you could have got it for that, and now yeah. you're probably going to have to pay a little bit more. That's kind of yeah, that's that's not fun. And it can sometimes color your perception of the value. We think, oh, yeah. I could have had it for this much, so I'm definitely never going to pay more than that because I know no. it's possible. We now return to the Transformers. So, uh, so what are some of the the holy grails that we have been able to track down? Then, just like a couple of examples off the top of your head, or whatever that you can think of of toys that you desperately wanted and now have in your collection. G1 Swoop. Hey, that's a good one. Good shout. I'm sure that is on many, many people's lists. Yeah, yeah it I, was I, on mine. I did, I did touch on the story in the last episode, but I did used to drag my grandma around shops and get the assistants to check in the back to see if they had Swoop when they had the other Dinobots on the shelf. And so for years, that was the one toy. That was the holy grail of everything. And I finally got it four or five years ago. Well, I think I think putting it into context that that toy wasn't available in the UK as well. Typically, do you know what I mean? That yeah. that, that you know, which probably actually like I know it sounds silly, but sometimes you speak to people in America or wherever else, and they're like, "Oh, you actually couldn't get that," and you're like, "No, it just wasn't a thing." Do you know what I mean? So it, it is and different. It's not like that where you could just buy it off the internet. So Star Convoy as well, but that's like that's like a different level of Grail. That was one of the first toys I saw when I got into collecting as an adult. So when I first sort of became aware of Transformers on the internet as such, it was one of the very yeah. first things I saw was this whole era of Transformers I had never known or knew anything about, and it was just this brand new Optimus Prime. Because Power Master Optimus Prime is my favorite Transformers toy ever, probably my favorite toy yeah. ever. And so seeing something that's is different but in a similar sort of style, it's that big, giant, chunky toy. And so, and I finally got that this year from some 
lovely friends for an her birthday gift. No, nice. so thanks, guys. What, what, a, what a good group of group yeah, of guys. That I know was. some absolutely yeah. lovely people. Mess, how about you? Uh, well, I have to mention this one. Uh, when I first started collecting as an adult, uh, the grail for me was a G1 Ramjet because I just missed the opportunity to get it in stores when it was stocked. And I loved the G1 jets, and I had four of them, Thrust, Thundercracker, Starscream, and Dirge. My cousin had Skywarp, so I felt like that was in the circle, even though he never let me play with it. Still don't have it. He still has it somewhere. He won't let me have it. And um, Ramjet was the one I really wanted. And I loved the... And the only VHS episodes I had were Megatron's Master Plan and Desertion of the Dinobots. And the Coneheads were starting to you know, be featured more, and I loved those Coneheads. So getting a Ramjet from Digital Toys in 1998 or 1999 was magical. And I pestered that guy so much to the point where I had emailed him from my home address and I emailed him from my university address and he was responding to my university address saying, no, I've sold it to someone else. And me going home absolutely heartbroken and to find out he'd actually sold it to my other address. <laughs> so it was mine. Uh, that Ramjet was definitely a grail moment. Got a Ramjet. More That's recently, That's a cool good toy. it is a gorgeous toy. Still stands up. And I've definitely overcompensated Ramjet-wise in my collecting since then. You know, I think I've had every single version of that toy from every country and manufacturer possible in G1. I even had that sandstorm-colored, hand-painted desert G2 Ramjet prototype. That's you had the that. level two. Yeah, <laughs> just the level to which it went. Oh yeah, the, the pictures that you see of it online, because obviously it's come up with the with the Generation Selects version of it, the pictures that you see of it online are Maz's. Are they? Typically. I never yeah. ever knew that. Often, yeah. And it's lovely to see that the Generation Select version uses the colour scheme of that hand-painted mock-up, not the final colours of what that release toy was meant to look like, which were far more dull. But it actually has the camo and the teeth. I, actually, I would love to own that Generation Select Sandstorm. But yeah, then after that was Great Shot, the uh, Japanese G1 exclusive retool of Six Shot for Victory. And I think it was 1990? 1989. Victory hang was on. 89. Hang on, 89, hang on. Yeah. You've never owned that? No, I have it. That's, my, that's one that I have bought. Oh, sorry. Years. Sorry, of my brain went backwards in time then. <laughs> no, no, I do have it. And uh, <laughs> I, I finally got an opportunity to buy it a few years ago. Uh, and it was at a time where I wasn't collecting G1. Oh, I think it was mostly yeah. collecting things like Animated and, and Masterpiece. And uh, it was like, well, do I really want to buy a toy that's no longer articulated or particularly screen accurate? I mean, do I really want to go back to that part of my collecting? Am I even going to really feel this the way I would have done 10 years ago? Uh, and it was such a good price. I couldn't say no. And my friend was selling it to me. And when I got it in hand, it just reminded me of everything I loved about g1 and why i'd coveted this toy it was just an absolute stunner in hand and it still is a total mm. stunner white red blue black massive gold phoenix on his chest it's just poor oh, what a toy you know I, I, still i i was blown away by it as well and i got it you know i got it not so long ago and um yeah it's i think i particularly love it because it's one of those where it's like familiar but not familiar do you know what yeah. i mean it's it's i mean whether you've owned six shot or not there is a kind of I haven't. It, well, it's the thing with Great Shot and Six Shot is that they've got all of the kind of classic G one tropes. You know, they've got the kind of chunky feel to them. They've got the kind of the classic points of articulation. You know, at the shoulders. They've got that 
signature look, all the right angles. The color scheme on six shot is is classic Decepticon. So even if you've never had a six shot, there's a, an immediate feeling of familiarity, I think, with that mm-hmm. toy. And uh, you know, so it was with me with Great Shot. And but there's all there's all the kind of you know there's like the new animal head and things like that. That's all kind of to be discovered. It's um, yeah, it's yeah. The real... rhino head is is super nice. The flying rhino. Yeah. <laughs> Bizarre. Uh, it has but... a lovely Autobot head sculpt as well with two flip yes. out horns. So it's just these little extra touches, and uh, it just elevates that toy. It was already superb to handle to something completely different. I, lo- I love how different the two of them feel in hand. Yeah. They're two, you know, same mold, but just a couple of little tweaks that just make it, you know, very, very new. So yeah. No, and what a, what a lovely toy to handle as well. Great weight, yeah. great feel, super fun to transform. Really, really amazing display piece and supremely tall. Like really, yeah, stands out. M- massive. And you know, actually, for for a six mode thing, holds up pretty well. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. a lot of um, multiple reasonably distinct. <laughs> yeah. There are one or two that are like you know less successful, but actually, what I do love about um, I wrote uh, about six shot um, recently and said this uh, was what I do love is that every mode has a piece of molding or engineering or something that is distinct, which I think is mm. super cool. So even like the gun mode, which mm. could just be a bit fan modey or whatever, it's got a little trigger. Do you know what I mean? That, yeah, that is right. not used in any other mode or anything like that. And I think that is super cool. There's a little touch, you know, like the uh, the tank with the little cockpit that folds out. Uh, that right. is only used for the tank, you know, and and that I think is super clever. And I I would say that on some more modern toys, they don't always go to that level. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Of trying to convince you by putting in specific engineering just for one. Like if you had a, a new toy now that has six modes, they may not go to the same level of you know the same distance. It's an extremely good point, and I'd never noticed that. Yeah. Very very nice to know that. Wow. It's, 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 you know, honestly, you cycle through the modes, there's something in every mode that feels unique, you know, that, that is like, oh, this is only there for that one mode. And I, that for me is real, like it's still a children's toy and it's still simple in its way, but there's a level of kind of artistry there, like thinking through it that I fully appreciate that makes me love that toy all the more. So it's a toy that doesn't disappoint at all. Definitely. And I spent yeah. years looking forward to that toy and it was just not a disappointment at all. Well, you're, uh, you're still, one, go on. I was going to say, you're still after a six-shot now, though, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, I'm still trying to find a, a vintage six-shot in, in really, really nice condition with good stickers because the stickers are always so wonky on that toy. Yeah. It was mad that uh, I was just... You, you may not forgive me for mentioning this, but do you remember that time I was in that dude's house and he, and he had one? Mm. Uh, I often I, think I, back to that guy and think, maybe I should just contact him and bite the bullet and pay what he was asking. <laughs> maybe, maybe. I don't have his details Who is this anymore. Guy? But, uh, oh, was some, some random dude. I just uh, long story short, random I, dude's I, house. Yeah, th- yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> I broke it. Put more I on that later. <laughs> Been staring through his windows for weeks and just thought, you know, well, let's get in there. Uh, no, he got really a box stepper. Yeah, certainly. Yeah, it's um, it was years and years and years. Ago. Well, not years and years, but it was it was a few a good few years ago now. But basically, I uh, had. I think agreed to buy, I think it was a gold carded aerial bot or something from him or something. Do you know what I mean? Like something fairly insignificant. Yeah. And, and he'd said, oh, I've got more, you know, all of this. And it turned out that actually he lived very, very close. Do you know what I mean? Like within sort of 20 minutes away or something. Didn't so, you get your Target Master Scourge and Slugslinger from yeah, him as well? I did. Uh, not Slugslinger. Okay, yeah. 
that's good. Yes. Um, I try to think whilst I think there were two things, two other things I got from him. But I, I, I went round and yeah, he had he had all of this stuff, like some incredible things, mint as anything. And he didn't know what any of it. I don't say he didn't know what it was worth, but he hadn't looked into it. Do you know what I mean? I think he was aware that it it was not. You know, you're not just going to say like, "I'd oh, give us a fiver for it" or whatever. But like with Scourge, I mean, without a doubt, I could have paid a lot, 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 lot more. Than I did, yeah. You know what I mean? Um, and and Six Shot, he didn't really have a, a price in mind. I remember he was kind of you know umming and ahhing a bit, but it was it was not to be on that particular day. I think I remember. Uh, messaging you just being like oh my god there's like i'm i'm, I'm still here looking at this thing do you know what i mean do you want to get in on this but uh, it didn't pan out do you want to get in on this guy's house here <laughs> yeah come yeah. around we'll start a party <laughs> it was a nice bloke it was a nice bloke so Brings but yeah just in. someone that someone that had bought this stuff over the years and just kind of amassed it and then mm. you know suddenly was looking to to part ways with it all so um as does happen so it is cool uh, when okay. you find people from outside of the sort of community almost just as random people who also have loads of transformers and stuff like that yeah definitely definitely i've got to mention my my biggest grail that oh yeah i spent years looking for this i felt like years and it was at a time when i I bought this and i bought it more than once but i I no longer have it any any of them it was the diaclone yellow version of sideswipe when i joined Uh, the the diaclone groups online i mean I, i stopped buying g1 at that point like there's so many bread and butter g1 i've never owned because, you know, I've never owned a Menasaur properly because I stopped buying that stuff and started buying Diaclone because I love the cars and, you know, these were all, the, like you said, familiar but unfamiliar. Like, can you imagine G1 Sideswipe, but in yellow, you know, and it's amazing. And uh, this was basically an unknown variant to most people. You know, they weren't around. They just, you could spend hours, months, weeks looking eBay, Yahoo Japan, secondhand. No one had one. They just weren't around. They weren't popular. They weren't well sold. They weren't even produced in big numbers, I think. And it was right back end of the Diaclone line when they they already had agreed with Hasbro to make Transformers. So these things were just on the shelf at the same time, just like the Marlboro version of Wheeljack. This toy was impossible to find. And I remember pining after it. Every single photo of it I could find online, I saved on my hard drive. And I knew people who owned it who simply wouldn't part with it. It felt like I needed to talk to people in Japan to see if there was anyone there who knew where one existed. I mean, it was to that degree. I mean, they are so much easier to get today. I see them on eBay every now and then. But at that time, it was supremely difficult to to find this toy. And um, then one popped up on Yahoo Japan. I couldn't pay what it was going for. A friend of mine bought it. And I was like, you you know, lucky bugger. And then someone randomly in Canada said, well, I've actually got two of them. Do, Do you want my loose one? And I will never forget the joy of receiving that loose yellow sideswipe in in the mail. You know, something's like six thirty in the morning when post postman still came at that time. And I was standing in my kitchen where I'd opened it, and it was just like this was incredible. I couldn't believe I'd found that toy. Yeah. <laughs> and then I then I bought his my friend's one. He decided to leave the hobby, and he sold me his uh, unused one. And I had that for a while. Then I sold that on, and then again I bought another unused one. But then Tiger Track came out, and I was going to say, yeah, I was. That was good enough for me when I decided to sell my vintage toys back in 2003. Yeah. Tiger Track was good enough, and, and it's good enough today. How mm. much do you wish they'd done the um, they'd produced the G2 side swipe with the sort of like deck, the different deck, and not the black one, the other one they were going to do? I, I owned that as well, Liam. Those, you owned that, that one as well? <laughs> yeah, the hand-painted yellow one with the blue back and the blue face. You were supposed to have like the sunset colours on the doors. Yeah, I owned that. Do you just like the TF wiki with the unproduced prototype page? <laughs> <laughs> 
That's, those you... are probably my pictures, yeah. And the pink and green Mirage, <laughs> that was mine too. There's going to be a little running theme on this when you talk about rare prototypes that, in the, you know, for most people, they're like, oh man, imagine having that in hand. Maz will just be like, yeah, no, I had that actually once, <laughs> you know. It, it was remarkable, that side swipe. It was so beautiful in those it, colors. It looks it. It looks it. Like, yeah. I know, I know so, some of the ones you've had, but I didn't realize you had that one as well. Hey, don't trash the place. Transformers Generation 2 will be right back after these messages. Okay, well, some of my grails achieved, as it were, ticked off grails. Uh, I'm going to run through. What my first one actually is nothing like uh, some of the stuff we've been talking about. It's not like a, it's a, definitely not a rare toy in any sense at all. Uh, but it is, I actually have it here, it is Transmetal 2 Megatron. Uh, which actually, you know, a lot of people, you know, Beast Wars, obviously. And look at you both rolling your eyes like, oh, God, it's Beast Wars. I think we dead. both just glazed over, didn't we, Matt? No, yeah, no. I'll be completely honest. That is a stunning looking toy. It's, yeah, a, it's, a, it's a fantastic toy. It's, it's, you know, and it's a funny one because I, again, it's not rare by any means. I mean, you, you know, you, this is plentiful. It's a plentiful toy. It's out there. You can get it sealed. No problem. Do you know what I mean? It's absolutely fine. But um, I just never had it. So and, and back in the day when Beast Wars was new, I, I had virtually, uh, you know, a, well, let's say a decent collection, but it was just one that I never got. And then I did have Cryotech, which was the blue Robots in Disguise repaint. Uh, I remember you really picking that up at the pub. Didn't you um, get that off someone at the pub? No, I sold it in the pub. Oh, right. That was my, that was, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's no, that another was, thing that happened in the pub. Sold it to a man in the pub. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Toy sales, yeah. Toy sales. Do you want to buy a watch? It was and me that brought it. it and I went home without it. That was, uh, yeah, no, that's, um, uh, yeah, I sold it to, to one of our friends who went home with it. Um, but yeah, no, so I had that toy for years and it was still, you know, it was in still in immaculate condition and whatever. And uh, I love, I love the blue one. I love Crytech. I actually have Crytech again now because it's not, it's not, that's really not a rare toy Hang at on. all. Sixo, is that the, uh, the toy you're talking about? Is that the one that Fans Hobby did the Red Dragon of it? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That it is. Yes. Drop dead gorgeous. Yeah. No, so yeah. I completely well, understand because that Fans Hobby version was. Oh, it was insanely nice. So well, yeah. it's, it, it's also, I mean, if, so with this thing, actually, it was an interesting one because for years I thought, I sort of had in the back of my mind, I'd love to own that one day. Even though I know the mold, there's something about the red coloring. I like dragons anyway. I think the dragons are very, very cool. And the, there's something about the kind of look of that red dragon. It was very cool in the cartoon. So I guess in my back of my head, I always have been like one day. But because it's, it's one of those weird ones where because it, you could just do it at any point, you don't, do you know what I mean? And it, it, So I think what eventually convinced me actually was the third party one that's just come out. But um, it's it's a very, very cool third party toy. Extremely massive and ridiculous and spiky and whatever else, but it's a, a highly cartoon accurate take. Uh, and there's also been as well one by Perfect Effect, Mega Dragon, uh, which is very, very cool as well. And I think owning a third party version of that and thinking this is so amazing, like I love it, like this, toy really kind of spurred me into thinking okay actually now's the time I, I want the original as well and I'm so happy with it honestly I, I just absolutely love it so it's you know just one of those that you always kind of think mm -hmm. one day but finally ticked it off uh, and I guess the other one would be a bit like you Liam just Fort Max really just you know never never owning that as a child and just being uh, I think last episode I told you my my playground story you know from school mm -hmm. uh, about the kid with the Fort Max head you know just always being in awe of that as a toy and it's kind of an obvious one I guess but it's just I, I just you know that toy always sticks in my head as as just I think it's one now that even though I own it it's still one that I look at and kind of giggle a little bit do you know what I mean just because it's such a 
a thing. Uh, yeah, it's such a thing. You know, it's just such a. It's immense. What can what can you say? And, and you have to do the whole "Is my child taller than Fort Max?" thing. Oh yeah. At some definitely. point, anyone with kids has to do that whole stand them next to each other, take a photo, who's bigger. <laughs> One of those. Yeah, things. I mean, I, I know that for a long time, you know, I had great fun realizing that actually my son's clothes were about the right size for <laughs> the Mega Supreme. You know, <laughs> no more. He's way too big now. But you know, at the time. Uh, that was that was a fun day of discovery. Uh, it's be you, great. you have reminded me of another obtained grail, which was actually oh, yeah. a big deal for me for years. Uh, that was uh, Car Robots JRX, the oh, Team Shinkansen yeah. uh, Rail yes. Racer. Years I coveted that toy. Amazing looking toy. Yeah, it um, is and- everything I hoped it would be. And I've owned it more than once, and I've sold it more than once, obviously. And now I'm sitting here thinking... You sold it to me. If you look yep. behind you, it, behind me, rather, into the, the cabinets, you'll be able to see it just there somewhere. I'm glad that's where it is, but I, I now realize that I need it again. So yeah. I'm going to have to fix that. If Hasbro can reissue like Beast Wars, Rats and Cats and stuff, they can give us a reissue of <laughs> JRX next. That is um, an amazing name for that line Rats, rats and, and Cats. cats. <laughs> yep. Transformers, Rats and Cats. And Absolutely stuff. Absolutely brilliant. Yeah. And pigs. Yeah. It's the new rescue bot season, isn't it? <laughs> rats and Cats. I do love that. that would be That's brilliant. Transformers rats. He's got to drop something every episode. It was apologetic rap last time. This time it's rats and cats. Oh, it's amazing. I've got to contribute somewhere. <laughs> Fantastic. Rats and cats. The, the, the level of appreciation for Beast Wars in general on this show is sadly It's a gift that just keeps on giving. It's a gift that keeps on giving. It's, Beast Wars is, is a huge... I don't need to defend it. Do you know what I mean? It's, no, it's, and it's... neither should you. Because no. before I watched it, I was of the position that, oh, this is ridiculous and I don't like this. Now, I've watched that cartoon. I love that cartoon. And yeah. it, this is with affection. Yeah, okay. okay. I've always quite liked it. I've, I've been quite indifferent to it at times, but never hated it or disliked <laughs> it. It's just, you know, I remember right. discovering that you didn't like Beast Wars and being like, what? Do you know what I mean? Someone, it doesn't like Beast but it does make sense. I get, I get the reasoning. But everybody you, says you, that because of the dinosaurs. They're always, how do you not like it because of the dinosaurs? But I think that was it for me. But actually, your, your reasoning really makes sense that, you know, kind of it was more the style of it than, than anything. So, um, yeah. which I, I can appreciate. So, it's very unfortunate. Um, but I, I like the idea of it more than it itself. Yeah. I've been, I've been um, uh, reading the new IDW Beast Wars comic, actually, which is really, really good. So, was it good? Neither, neither of you will read it, so but you can take my word for it. But it is. Hey, how long did I try to get you to read more than meets the eye? Yeah, 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 absolutely, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. So, and can I um, uh, just shatter your illusions there because I've actually bought it? Ooh, well done! So, so, Fantastic. I'm a little, uh, my little tablet device there. I just haven't read it. I've got like a, a backlog worthy, of that and worthy IDW, purchase. whatever it is, the G1 version two or whatever they're doing. Yeah, it's been, it's been. A good, a good long while since I've bought a comic and thought oh, I'm going to read that, and I thought, yeah, I'll give, I'll give it a go. Transformer Should we do um, one quick round and just quick fire of because um, we did have another category, didn't we? Which was uh, one yeah, completely we... unobtainable, impossible holy grail that you never yeah. expect to get. Yeah. Shoot, go on, man. Uh, Oh god, I keep talking about these stupid niche toys, but the the Japanese <laughs> Diaclone powered convoy DX set. That's the one with the Diaclone colored Magnus, the black and blue sideswipe, and the red Diaclone Mirage. 
nice. I remember when a friend of mine bought that for fifteen hundred dollars in two thousand and two, and I thought he was totally insane. He then sold it for twelve thousand dollars some years later, and now auctions are going for twenty thousand dollars. I'm pretty certain I am never going to own that. It's off but the if table, I could, yeah. oh, Red Mirage. That's unobtainable, but that is top draw for me. So that the silver-eared yeah. Cyclonus from the Ladybird books. That G1 uh, yeah, Cyclonus yeah, yeah. with the silver ears from the Ladybird books. That's the other one. The, the Red Mirage, that was the only release of that? Only, only release was in that gift set. Yeah, I thought so. I was just trying to remember. Um, yeah, that, that would be a cool one, for sure. Liam? Maz, you've touched on this twice. Mine would be Movie Preview Ultra Magnus. What you know, a the... thing. What a mm. thing. It's, it's beautiful. Oh, you know when you just look at a toy and as beautiful as the toy is, the colours just come together in a certain <clears> way. Like I can just stare at the grey for ages. It's just this really nice plasticky looking grey and then the blue and the red, it's all just it's a beautiful toy. But yeah, you've touched on it twice and it's, it's for people for people listening who maybe don't know the toy that we're talking about, this is what today most people would call Delta Magnus. Yeah, the, 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 the Delta Magnus is based on that, yeah. It's from the, the trailer, piece. isn't it? From the movie yeah. trailer as well. Which exactly. is where movie. But Liam, you're, you're talking specifically about the Dakara reissue that was done at the same time as Shining Magnus, right? The, yeah, the, the, that's the, the one. The, yeah, the Diaclone colors, but released under Transformers. I was going to try and pronounce the Japanese name, but I did not want to butcher it. Yeah, I don't think we need to give, no. <laughs> give that a go. I try and avoid all that kind of stuff as much as movie possible. Movie preview will do. <laughs> yeah, movie, movie preview is fine. It is beautiful. It's a, a beautiful thing. I can't remember what numbers it was limited to now. Uh, I'd need to look it up to remind myself. Uh, but it I know been... Shining Magnus was 800. 800. I think I th this was probably 1500. I think that rings a bell. I was going to say it's more than Shining. So, And I remember Shining was 800. So it's definitely 1,000 or over. Before we started recording, I did actually look it up on eBay. And there isn't one. And I couldn't find one in the sold listings either. So, mm, Interesting. Yeah, it's not... Um, it's probably one more for kind of specialist websites or whatever, but uh, it's it, it does pop up. It does pop up, yeah. but it's one to, to. It's a bit like Shining Magnus. It's probably one to get sooner rather than later because it's definitely yeah. Yeah. creeping up. Yeah. For sure, it's it's always going to just be more expensive because vintage ones have gone through the roof, and people now who tend to get it hold on to it. Or one they yeah. should just reissue again. It'd be nice. That would to... be great. Actually, I yeah. would be totally up for that. Yeah, I would. I would. Uh, yeah. Well, some of mine are. It's not really a specific figure, but like there's a whole like heap of stuff I should say from Victory basically that just is is never going to be in the sphere of what I want to to pay or whatever. Do you know what I mean? So anything like uh, Blue Bacchus, I've already mentioned Black Shadow, uh, Lyo Kaiser, probably probably that set probably falls into a couple of categories for me. One is price, but two is condition because it, you so often see it yellowed or you know just broken or just not looking very good and. I don't know. It's a bit the same with Go Shooter for me. That like I would love a Master Force Go Shooter, but or Minerva even, you know. But you so mm, often see yeah. them in terrible condition. You know, Go Shooter is yellowed, Minerva is yellowed and looking terrible. And I don't know. For me, I kind of like. I don't know if I could do it and then have it not be nice. Do you know what I mean? It just mm. kind of seems like I'd almost rather not. I'd rather not go there <laughs> than than kind of. I don't know, do it not on my own terms, if that sort of makes sense. So, but yeah, those, those are some for me that just, I, I don't know that it'll ever happen realistically, but you know, have to see, I guess. We now return to the Transformers. Right. Well, I think that uh, about does it for today. We've had a, a pretty good session talking about uh, Holy Grails and, uh, and the whatnot. 
so big thank you for listening to everybody and uh you know and and also we're saying big thank mm. you for all the wonderful comments that we've had on episode one so if you have tuned in for episode one thank you so much and and again thank you to everybody that's taken time out their day to kind of tell us what they enjoyed and whatever else. Uh, if you haven't checked it out yet, of course, it's still available. Uh, and thank you if you are following us on social media of some kind as well. We've got over 400 Twitter followers now, which is pretty cool. 400. So that's, uh, that's yeah, something, amazing. isn't it? So, yeah, we're really, awesome. really thank quite you, excited about Yeah, the response has to be said, has been terrific. So we really appreciate that. So uh, speaking of social media, of course, you can find us all on various portals. Maz, where are you? I am on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram under at TF Square One. Cool. Liam? I am on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and anywhere else there's probably an at, and it would be Toybox Soapbox. Yeah, and uh, I'm on all of the above as well, and YouTube, and that's 60TF. So uh, that's, uh, I think that's it for us today. So big thank you, gentlemen, for the, the terrific chat. And thank you to everybody for listening. And uh, yeah, you stay classy, San Diego. Mm-hmm.